2: Good morning, Wake Up Squad, and thanks for starting your day with us. We're live. Later, Chairman Fred Hampton will join us. The chairman will discuss the recent cancellation of a Pan-African conference in Ghana. Chairman will also talk about the recent transitions of people like Viola Plummer, Sekou Odinga, Ralph Pointer. Kamau Beckendenba and more. Before the chairman, though, reparations advocate Cam Howard from Reparations United will unveil a new strategy to get the issue before the 2024 presidential candidates. Before we get started, uh, I'm to ask Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. I got to ask you a question real quick.
3: Good morning. How are you today, Carl Nelson?
2: We're doing excellent, but I got to ask you this. Do you remember where you were in 1985 with the move bombing?
3: I remember sitting behind the control board, and uh, I was running this show for Bernie McCain. I remember him talking about it. However, anything specific, uh, it was uh, in the news kind of thing, and uh, we are always busy back here. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It, it was just another news day. It was but for people like, like Mike Africa, it, it wasn't. Mike, good morning.
4: On the move. Good morning. Good morning.
2: Good morning. I, yeah, we're excellent, Mike. Uh, you know, I like a bright uh, voice like that early in the morning. Uh, Mike, 30 years ago, next, next year is going to be 30 years That's, since the move on. No, no,
4: 40 years. 40, 40
2: years. years. Correct me. 40. Wow. A you lot, know how to make a person Protestant. feel old. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I was asking uh, Kevin where he was, if he remembered, because I remembered we were over the U.N., uh it's, Stevie was giving a speech at the UN they had banned his record apartheid is wrong and he was he was he was the first actually uh entertainer to speak before the the general assembly the world body and and after after we had finished we were you know in the courtyard figuring out what, what the next move was we were going to do go to lunch or or you know you know get back and fly back to la and he, and all these reporters are coming running and, and we thought they were running towards him so they but they ran right past them so one of them i knew i was just, what's like what's going on he says man they're bombing philly they're bombing philly i said like, what it, it, it and you said it was 40 years ago it seemed like it was yesterday but that if that was incredible all just they all split and and that was the news of the day so you know, I don't know how old you were if you were around back then. But what are your th- remembrance of that forty years ago?
4: Yeah, you know, you said you said it seemed like yesterday, right? I mean, it seemed like it just happened. Yeah, uh, that's the same for. I think that's the same. The same is true for most people that remember it. Um, and I don't think that anybody. I've never spoken to a person that was alive and old enough to remember. That didn't remember exactly what they were doing, uh, where they were, and you know what was going on. I was six years old. I remember it too. I remember seeing the smoke fly up in the air um, that That happened on Stevie Wonder's birthday. You know, this, yeah, that this was whole his thing, birthday That was his birthday this this whole thing of, of, the, of, of the bombing has been a, a memory that a lot of people wish that, that a lot of people wish we didn't have. Um, but, you know, the important thing about this, that, that incident, that, that bombing, that murder of 11 innocent people is um, how we move forward. It's important for us to move forward and carry on um, uh, in a positive direction in their memory. And that's what I've been working on for the last I don't know how many decades. Uh, one of those things that I've been working on uh, was to free the Move 9, who um, are, are, are nine members of the Move organization that have been unjustly incarcerated and given a hundred-year sentence for the alleged death or killing of an officer, a Philadelphia police officer. Two of those people were my parents, and the people that were bombed on May 13th in '85. They, they, the reason they were attacked the way they were is because they were working to free the move nine.
2: And, um, you, you know, Mike, so I, do us a favor I, here, you know, cause I'm, and I'm sure, cause as we mentioned 40 years ago, and some people weren't even born back then who, who were listening to us and understand what happened. So can you fill us in what happened? Have, cause it, it, even though it was May 13th with the bombing, you know, uh, it, it was it was it was it was something prior to May thirteenth that that, that that you know why they bombed Osage Avenue. So can you give us the backstory?
4: Yeah, the back, the backstory is the Move organization uh, was founded by John Africa, my great uncle, and he started the organization for the same reason Huey and. Um, the rest of the members of the, of the Black Panther Party created the Black Panther Party, you know, to, to, to resist injustice, to, to get better conditions for our people. And just like the Black Panther Party, just like the B.L.A., just like um, all the other organizations that have risen up, Black Lives Matter and so many others, um, they, were, they were attacked for it. He was attacked for it because they don't want to see change. They don't want to see us prosper. So, um, But that did, that did not deter. My uncle, that did not deter our family. Um, what it did was it encouraged them to keep going, and it and it made other people who didn't understand what they were about a little bit more clear. And um, though, you know, the, the same way the po- the police attacked the Panther Party, they attacked MOVE, and those those attacks led up to a confrontation on August eighth, nineteen seventy eight, and a shooting that involved um my family, my parents, my Uncle Chuck and six other members uh that were taken to jail and given hundred year sentences. And the the remaining move members were on the street and they were fighting for the release of the imprisoned move members. And the the police, police's response to um my uh my family being in prison, instead of doing an independent investigation, allowing us to do an independent investigation or look into the case that they said they admitted that MOVE was innocent of, they decided to uh, attack our house on Osage Avenue.
2: Was the attack expected? Were were members of the MOVE organization sort of bracing new that they would get this response?
4: Yeah, MOVE was clear. Down Africa, other MOVE members were clear that the city was going to come after them the way they did. They were clear because they had seen it before. It was nothing new. And the reason they took that stand is because they, they, there was nowhere for them to go. You know, and you know, people say it all the time. Why didn't y'all just move? Why didn't y'all go somewhere else? You know, the problem with that is, in, in the words of my, my dear move sister Ramona Africa, what she always say is, where else are we supposed to go? everywhere at one time was free of the system and now the system just follows you around and, and finds ways to just interfere with your life at, at one time the natives were here on this land mass living, living the way they were living and here come you know these these Europeans and you know stealing their land and putting them on, on reservation so go somewhere else that doesn't always work for us
2: yeah and uh, uh, and, and,
4: it did, and, it did, and it didn't work then. I was in an orphanage because the city, the, the city of Philadelphia sent their Philadelphia police officers to Richmond, Virginia, to raid our home down there. When we did go go somewhere else, and they put us in an orphanage and abused the children for eleven days.
2: Hmm. So, so were, you there, were you were you understanding of what was going on though?
4: You know, I was I was so young. I was six years old when the bombing was when the bomb was dropped. I was six years old. I saw it. I knew that it wasn't good. I had been through by the time I was six years old, I had been through um, a couple police incidents where they raided our house. So I was aware that police sirens wasn't a good sign. I was aware that smoke and tear gas and that type of presence from law enforcement, fire department, I was aware that this was not a good sign, but I wasn't quite aware that my family were being murdered because every time we came out of those attacks previously everybody even though we were hurt even though we were scared even though we were bloody we all came out alive may 13th was the only time that i ever saw where our people didn't make it
2: oh mike i gotta ask you this though at 12 after the top there were were you resentful were you did you go through life mad at the police? Were you angry? How did that affect you growing up?
4: I'm still mad at the police. In 1980, what was it, at 1987, 88, NWA came out with a song, "At the Police. I played that song until my record couldn't play music no more. I mean, how can you not be mad at the police? They dropped a bomb. They killed 11 people. I knew every one of those kids that was in that house. I knew uh, every single one of them. We spent time living living together for years. You know, we were in that orphanage together, huddled up behind a hot water heater, trying to protect each other at six and seven years old from abusive caretakers. You know, I, I, of course, I was mad at the police. I'm still mad. You mm-hmm. know, um, and I think that's why it's important for me to um, to keep going. You mm-hmm. know, I, I I think it's important because this this I, I had a really good conversation with my mom the other day you know one one of the a great and, you know,
2: hold on, thought right there, Mike. Because we're gonna take a good, uh, a short break here. I want to hear that conversation you had with your mom, and I uh, hope your mom and dad doing well. Because what those guys went through is just, it's just unbelievable. Family, we're gonna take a short break. You want to speak to Mike Africa from the Move Organization? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876, and we'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on ten ten W O L B. If you're in the D M V, you're on F M ninety five point nine and A M fourteen fifty w-o-l or information is power And good morning again, family. Just join us, we got Mike Africa from the MOVE organization discussing uh, there's going to be a year-long commemoration of the 40th anniversary of the bombing of the MOVE home in Philadelphia on Sage Avenue, and Mike says he was six years old at, at the time. I'm speaking about dates because it, it happened on Stevie's birthday, May 13th, 1985. Uh, Sandra Robinson, one of our charter listeners here at Radio 1, Urban 1, said today's Alfred Liggins' birthday. Alfred Liggins is the uh, the boss, the chairperson of Radio One. So happy birthday to uh, Alfred, uh, our big boss. And our other boss is going to be joining us tomorrow. Kathy Hughes will be here tomorrow. She's going to discuss the movie Origins. So, if you've seen it, you're becoming, you know, free to come in and join the discussion tomorrow. But anyway, Mike, you mentioned that you were going to b- tell us something of story, so I'll let you go ahead.
5: Yeah, uh,
4: I was going to tell you a, a thing of uh, a story. I, I had a conversation with my mother. You know, the great thing about my parents being home is that um, I get to do something that, you know, at 45 years old, I get to do something that most people got to do with their mother and father much younger. I get to know them. I get to know them. I haven't been around them. They've been in prison for 40 years. So I had a really good conversation with my mother the other day, and she asked me a question that – uh I am going to say this and I hope that of your listeners or or anybody else that hears this steal this, steal my mom's stuff. She asked the question, she said, do you think people can actually heal from their trauma? You know, people talk all of this stuff about healing all the time and I'm healing and I'm, I'm recovering from this, that, and the other, but you know, there's trauma that she wondered if you can actually heal from, you know, and, and I think, that's the first time I actually thought about it and considered that you cannot. There are certain things that you cannot heal from. And as we del- delved deeper into that conversation, you know, we, we kind of likened it to the human body. You know, there's certain things that your body can heal from, but it still leaves a scar. It's still evidence that you were wounded. And then there's other things that you cannot heal from. You know, people lose when, when-, when fighting off in these wars that America Creates and involve themselves in. Uh, people come home with less limbs than they had when they left. They come home with head injuries, and you know, there's you heard the stories of people having metal plates in their heads, and there's all kinds of things that happen from wounds. And that's how trauma is too. You know, we we I've never healed from the bombing of my family. I grieve for my family every day. I think about them. I see them. I see people. Walking around with their kids, and I imagine that these could be the people that I remember when I was a child that I just didn't see for forty years. you know so the trauma the the pain of that loss is 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 never it's never gone away, and it's impossible to heal from that you know but but what you, what I have been doing is even though I'm sure I'm clear that I can't fully heal from that. What I, what I am clear about is that I can work hard to build up the muscles around the weak areas. I can work hard to, you know, uh, surround myself with people that, you know, give really good hugs. My dad said he, said, he said, every time I go to one of these events, Mike, and I get support from these people after receiving so much hate, every time I get a hug from, a, from somebody that supports what we do, it feels like therapy, and so I, I love getting hugs. I love coming on The Carl Nelson Show and feeling the love from you and, and from the listeners that respond to me and send me a message am I, uh, uh, am I on my website or, or, or on Instagram, you know, because this is, this is community and this is how I heal, so to speak.
2: And having said all that, Mark, um, uh, Mike, how does you, what's, your parents now, how are they doing right now?
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
4: They are doing fantastic. You know, I couldn't ask for a better situation given all the circumstances. You know it's a, it's a real, it was a real good chance that they would have never come home, come home from prison. It was another really good chance that they could have died in prison the way Merle did. Merle was in prison with them and she died at nearly 20 years in. And Phil Phil was Phil was Uncle Phil, you know, and he pass, he passed away in that jail cell after 37 years. You know, and my parents who also had their own physical illnesses and ailments, that same thing could have happened to them. You know, or like my Uncle Chuck who got out after 41 and a half years and then he died on in, in September on the end, the same day that Birdie died just a few years later in uh, in 2020. So, you know, it could it could be very different. So I, you know, I, I have a saying that I say when people – I go to the gym every morning. I'm actually at the gym right now. All my gym buddies are staring at me like right, right now <laughs> cheering me on. Um, I have a saying when people ask me how – how am I doing? I say, it's a good day. You know, I say it's, it's hard to be better, you know, because I, I cherish these moments that I have with my family. I cherish these moments that I have above ground. And no matter what has happened to me over the years, even though I've gone through tremendous struggles and trauma, I refuse to allow those horrible, bad times of my life to get me down. I got to stay on the move. I feel great. And my parents are
2: doing great. Ashe. So they're not bitter at all.
4: Of course, they're bitter. <laughs> this is, you know, this that that's a part of the experiences that they had. They're oh, they're definitely bitter. They're definitely angry. They're definitely dissatisfied and unhappy and every other uh, verb and, and and adjective that goes along with it. However, we don't focus on those things and that bitterness. We we like to focus on and encourage the positivity. And so, yeah, I'm mad too. Like I said, I, you know, it's it's it's, it's hard to. It's hard to not, how can you not be mad? I mean, people that was not even connected to our family in any kind of blood relation or even know us, they are, they're mad about what happened to our family, but you still go on and you still use the positive aspects of your life to keep moving. You know, I mean, listen, we're all part of this thing called the human family. I mean, I know that all of us are not necessarily blood related, but we're still all made up of the same fabric and blood. What happens to one is potentially something that could happen to us all. So people are definitely affected by what happened. However, you know, you just keep on moving and you use the positivity uh, as fuel, you know, and that's just what it is.
2: Yeah. Amen on that one. 28 after the top there. Mark's in Baltimore. has got a question for you. He's on line two. Good morning, Mark.
6: Uh, yes. So good morning, gentlemen. Um, I had a uh, – this is an interesting question. I live in Baltimore City, Maryland, and we have something – which is now called the civilian review board uh, that reviews any uh potential police uh claims uh, claims of police brutality or malfeasance, if you will, in the system. And the board uh, uh, consists of citizens from the city, people from the local community, health specialists and the like. So, and I'm assuming some cities, other cities have this type of system or are thinking about it. So what is your opinion, first of all, where you live, do they have a civilian review board to review police brutality and what they have done, you know, great or small? And and how do people um, can get more involved in, Uh, working, you know, with the community to uh, uh, try to coordinate a better relationship with the police department. And what do you think about that? Uh, Thank you. All
2: right. Thanks, Mark. Let me throw this on there as well, Mike. Uh, Did any of the police officers apologize? Were they imprisoned? Were they punished for for dropping the bomb?
4: Well, that's a good question. Both of those are really good questions. Uh, To answer your question first, Carl, uh, yeah, no, the police were never charged. They were never put in handcuffs. They were never put in the jail cell. They were never made to suffer any punishment. They, they went to court. Uh, Ramona filed a civil suit against them, suing the, the mayor of Wilson, uh, Wilson Good, who was the commander-in-chief at the time, the, the fire commissioner who let the fire burn, the police commissioner that ordered his men to shoot 10,000 rounds at our family. And they've never suffered any punishment, ever. They've never been questioned. They've never been accused. They've never been labeled, ever. Even though I have a death certificate that shows that the murder of my family was actually murder, homicide, homicide, it says on the death certificate, homicide. There is only one group of people that were out there that dropped a bomb, that shot those thousands of rounds, that shot that water, those water cannons from the fire department. They were, and, and the death certificate says homicide, but no one from the police were ever charged, no official ever. And yeah, they do have a a thing called the Conviction Integrity Unit here. And Larry Krasner, District Attorney Larry Krasner, the Progressive District Attorney, he has been active, actively working on over overturning some cases, uh, looking at cases, reviewing cases, and he's been fought all the way by the Fraternal Order of Police. And, you know, we as citizens, we are in a bind with that because, you know, when, when people have been screaming defund the police for the last two or three years, a lot of civilians have been saying we need the police. A lot of black people who have been suffering from police brutality as a community have been screaming we need the police because of the I think because the, the our people, our brothers and sisters, our young brothers have been stripped of their direction. You know, gentrification has been an effect on the Black population's brains, on our minds, long before it ever entered our neighborhoods. And we've been displaced. Our culture has been taken. You know, and then, and then they uh, interfere, they intercede, they get in the way of our direction and what we're doing and, and who we are and what we want to be. And they they dis- displace us and leave us abandoned and nowhere to go. So people, it takes a while for people to realize what's going on. And that's what's happening with the black community here in Philadelphia. And so what we have to do is we have to get ourselves together. We have to understand the importance of doing for ourselves. We have to stop waiting for somebody to come and save us, somebody to come and help us. We have to get our school system back in order. We have to get everything back together the way we supposed to so that when opportunities like the Conviction Integrity Unit come about, we can stand as a people and say we don't need these dirty police that are interfering with our lives, that are murdering our brothers and sisters down in the street like they did Mike Wallace, uh, Walter Wallace Jr., like they did George Floyd. We and then we stand together and we have the alternatives. Or better than the alternative, we have the original because the police system is the alternative, you know. And so so it's it's a process. It's a process that we're working on. Um, And I think that with a lot of great minds and a lot of important people uh, and important thinkers, leadership type people, um, I think we'll overcome this problem that we're having right now.
2: All right, 28 away from the top. Yeah, Paul is joining us. He's calling from the U.K. He's in London on line four. Good morning, Paul.
7: Good morning, Baba Kwasi. Um, It's such a, a privilege to be able to speak on this platform. And uh, good morning to your absolutely astounding and wonderful guest. My brother, can, can I
4: just ask you a question? Uh, when were you born? I was born in 1978, September 15th. I am a Virgo. <laughs>
7: Okay, okay, 1978. I was born in the 70s too. But you know, um, I learned about what happened to you and your your family through watching a video. Uh, And uh, it was just mind numbing. I I couldn't actually believe that actually took place. And it's still shocking to this day. Brother, what you've been through and the way you articulate yourself and the energy you carry is absolutely special, very special. You know, it's so special. And I don't know. I didn't hear the beginning of when you came on the show, but I don't know if you've been approached to make a documentary or a video or a movie or some sort of information to carry that message to the world. I'm in the UK, as you've heard, and and to be honest with you, I don't... Believe, I don't actually know, but I don't believe many people know this story. Um, I don't hear people talk about it very much. Uh, I've heard one of the characters on certain conscious radios mention it, but people do not know it. So you you have a role to play in bringing this story to the world. Because my message to you is this: one 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 weapon you have, a very powerful weapon you have, is truth. And you are the truth. What's happened to you is the truth. And you can take that truth and shame the devil. And this is what we need to do. We need to shame the devil. So, right. Brother.
2: And Paul, we got to take a quick break here. So if you want to hold on and finish your, your question or comment for Mike, we'll do that. But we got to step aside and take a quick break. Family E2 can join us. Reach out to us at 800 450 7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV. We're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning, once again, family. 21 minutes away from the top there with Mike Africa from the MOVE organization. Before we go back to Mike, let me just remind you, coming up later today, we're going to hear from Chairman Fred Hampton. Chairman Fred's going to talk a lot of stuff, but one of the things he wants to talk about, this Pan-African conference that was uh, scheduled in Ghana and was canceled at the last minute. You're going to hear, Fred was on one of the speakers, along with uh, Julius Malima, uh, Professor PLO Lumumba, and also Ambassador Chimbari Kwa. And so he's going to explain what happened there. Also, before that, we're going to speak with... uh, um, or, um, who are we going to speak with? Oh, reparations advocate uh, Cam Howard is going to join us from Reparations United. They've ch- changed their tactics now to get reparations in front of some of these politicians. And later this week, we're going to speak with uh, geopolitical analyst Matthew Ho. Matthew is going to tell us how close we are to World War III. Have you seen in the news recently a drone strike killed three African American servicemen? We want to see do black lives really matter? Will this start a greater war through the Arab world? Well, uh, uh, geopolitical analyst Matthew Ho is going to break that down for us. Urban One founder Cam. Kathy Hughes is going to join us as well. <clears throat> She's going to discuss the Ava DuVernay <clears throat> movie, uh, Origin. It's about class and race, something we talked about with uh, Baba Lumumba last week. Also, Neely Fuller Jr. will be here as well. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WLB. If you're in the DMV, Run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, uh, let's go see if Paul is. Paul, are you still with us?
7: I'm still here, um, Baba. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. My, I guess my question is, uh, if, if no one's approached the brother to, uh, make a documentary or a film, I suggest he takes some steps to do that because he is, he, he's, he's, I mean, the way he articulates himself, and the energy he carries, I think it would be a worthwhile thing because we, he does need to take this story, uh, to America and outside of America, you know, well done brother. And just keep up the good work. That's
2: it. Now, I, you know, I, I agree. Place. I, I, well, but, but Mike, before you respond, I just want to say I agree. I think you should think about that, doing looking at it from your terms. But go ahead.
4: I appreciate that. Um, you know, there is a film on HBO Max called 40 Years a Prisoner, and it shows my work to free my parents. Uh, this year, I'm working on... Um, trying to get another another film made. And this the next film is not going to be a documentary. It's going to be a live-action, uh, like, kind of biopic of, of my life uh, and the work that I've done and uh, continue to do. Uh, so I appreciate those comments. But check out 40 Years a Prisoner on HBO Max, and you'll see uh, the, the, the work. You'll see me. You'll see uh, the film producer, Tommy Oliver, as he uh, follows me around, um, and, and, you know, to, and, and do this work. It's important work. All
2: right. 800-450-7876. 18 away from the top there. Howard's in Los Angeles and he's part of our wake-up squad. He's on line three. Good morning, Howard.
5: Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I've got a couple of comments or questions, whatever, while I'm on. First uh, thing I, I, I want to know, like, who raised you? Who were your parents when your parents were incarcerated? That's one thing I want to know. And I wanted to, you answered one of the questions about the fishes that are, that attacked your family, that they didn't suffer any kind of um, judicial things going on. They didn't go to court, in other words, or get tried. And I and I kind of wonder what happened in their lives after they did there, what kind of karma was placed upon them in their other aspects of their life. And um, another thing, Carl, I, I kind of want to go back a little bit. A lot of things happened in January first of all during the black Panther shootout was happening just after the first year of uh 69 I believe and uh, John Huggins and Bunchy Carter were assassinated out of UCLA about two weeks later so January was a hot month and first mm. happy new year you know to black people but I was wondering about uh who, who how was your parented kind of you know because you, your parents were locked down I guess you went to see them as much as you could. And how far was the prison they were held in was from where you stayed. <laughs> All well,
2: right. First, Thanks, you know, let me say
5: to you, Let me say to you, you were in California. Is that is that true? You are in California? Yeah, we were invited about, about here. You know, we on your side. And also, <laughs> you got to consider the fact that this is not the first time happening. Remember, they bombed uh, Oklahoma City, the Tulsa area, you know? No, 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 no. no. No, no,
4: All no, right, let's give him a I chance
2: have... to respond, Howard. I thank you for yeah. your call, because you got some more folks yeah. who want to talk to him. Go ahead, uh, Mike.
4: Thanks, Howard. That's a, that's a lot of good questions. I, the reason I ask that is because it's three hours earlier in California, so it's early here. So you're an early riser. I, you know, that's, that's incredible. Um, but but yeah, to answer your question, listen. The Move organization raised me. The community raised me. My uh, my grandmother. It started with my aunt and my grandmother, and I have a lot of aunties. My aunt Gail, my aunt Sharon. I have um, uh, then I have my Move sisters uh, aunties are uh, Pam and Ramona and Alberta and Sue. A lot of people raised me, and then I have the Move uncles uh, Mo, Africa, and Carlos, and that's just been the way my life has been. I. I've lived with multiple families throughout my life. Um, They say it takes a village to raise a child. Well, I am that child, you know. And um, also, i tell you what, um, my, my parents, even though they were in prison, they could not be there to raise me on a daily basis. But I'll tell you, the impact that they have had on my life has been invaluable. You know, my father is, to me, my father is the greatest man alive. He taught me about how to respect women. He taught me about how to take care of myself in terms of respect and in terms of health and fitness and in terms of um, under, understanding how to recognize uh, valuable people that can really help me in my life. And his example uh, and of love that he's always had for my mother and how, that he's always had for our family has been uh, a lesson and a gift that I could never really, like, get from anywhere else. Uh, my mom is being strong and having, giving birth to me in a jail cell has been a, an example that's been everlasting in my life that, you know, is an example of strength and the way she got me out of that jail without being harmed by, a fish, by, uh, by prison guards. You know that example; those 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 incidents they were always really impactful on my life. The community of Move raised me, and I am so proud of my family, and I appreciate them, and I love them for it
3: forever.
2: And that's why you, we need to have that film. I agree with Paul because that's a story, man. That's 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 a story. That's an incredible story. I got to ask you this though, because you when did you first meet your parents? Because you you they were incarcerated, uh, you were in homes. And, but you know, you've got a mom, you got a dad, but you never met these, these people with it. Was it automatic when you met them first met them and hugged them? Was it, you know, like it was yesterday you hadn't, they hadn't left. How was that? How was that first meeting?
4: What's that first meeting like? Right. A lot of people ask me that question because most people don't remember when they first met their parents. They don't remember like having to be told uh, this. I'm mom. I'm dad. I remember when my dad said, my name is Michael too. And the reason we have the same name is because you're my son, you know, and, I, and, I, and I, was, I was four or five years old. And I looked at him like, what? I got one of those? I've been around all these people who got their moms and their dads with them. Even if their fathers don't live with them, they do know who they are. They're around them. And I'm just like kind of like tumbleweed blowing in the wind. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where people are. You know, I don't know that people are in prison. I'm, I'm a child. Who explains to a four-year-old that their parents are in prison for 100 years? I didn't get that explanation, obviously. So I remember my grandmother taking me to see my dad, and I remember him whispering that in my ear. I'm your father, you know. And that was, that was the, sort of the same way that I met my mother for the first time, reintroduced to her after years of separation. And, you know, be, being raised by my aunt who who had kids of her own, you know, and they, and they began to call her mom. And I assumed that she must be my mother too, and when mm. she told me she wasn't, I was confused and then shortly after that, she took me to see my mother and um the The thing I remember the most about my mom the thing I remember the most about that visit was as she was on her way out, I couldn't see her coming out. I saw all these different women coming out of the out of the out of the um out of the jail. And we were sitting in the visiting room, and I remember thinking to myself, the only thing that I remember thinking to myself is, I hope my mom is pretty. I was five, six years old. I, I just hope she's pretty. And when she came out, and I saw the sun shining on her skin, and she had that beam right on her forehead, and I was, and I remember thinking to myself, yes, she's beautiful, you know. And th- and that's that was my first memory. They were really good memories. And I'll never forget them, you know, and I've loved them ever since, ever since I knew
2: them. Wow. What a story. Yeah, again, Mike, incredible. 11 away from the top. I asked earlier why people come from L.A., because we did a radio show in L.A. I mean, we don't talk about it much, but they used to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning on the West Coast. And uh, online too, we got Brian, he's out in L.A. as well. Brian, good morning. You're with Mike Africa. <laughs>
8: Hey, Carl, thank you so much how you interviewed. You know I've been on your show many times in Los Angeles. Let me get to the bottom line. So first of all, MikeAfricaJr.com. I'm a technologist, and I've already Instagrammed you. Your story's amazing. Let me land with these two items. Using the term defund police is one of the scariest terms. Especially to black people that unfortunately too frequently live in the hood, so we've got to use different terminology. and the term that I'm recommending today, and not only me but others is detasking. So their task is to do some stuff, but not defund. and we can talk more about this. and then finally, regarding reparations, we also have to be careful with using the money. Give us the money. So again, get the money for reparations. We gotta be careful with that. And again, defunding, we gotta be careful with that. Again, I reached out to you on Instagram. I would love to support everything you're doing. You have a story that is unbelievable and I'm in 100% support. Thank you, Carl, for all that you do. I'm done. Right,
2: thanks, Brian. Uh, how about that, Mike, the, the, the wording? Do you think we, we could use, choose different wording than defund the police?
4: You have to be this – is, this is the importance of community and working together and being to able to recognize the insights that other people have. You know, if, if somebody recognizes it from their point of view, that, that different wording but the same action that leads to positive change in the community, if that is what it takes and that's what he recognizes, that that's what it takes, you have to move with that. You know, I mean everybody are not gonna get on board with changing words or, or rewording or whatever. Um, but you have to respect it because he obviously put some work into that comment. There's there's something that is behind it. It's not just something that he's saying because he just don't like the word defund, right? So there is a respect that comes with that and um you have to consider it. You have to consider it. And um I think he's right. When you hear when you hear people that say, I got aunt that you know, they hear defund the police, they get scared. So he's he's right about that, you know. Um, I think it's important for people to have something that they can feel comfortable in. If they're going to fall out of this old way of doing things, they need to feel comfortable that the new way of doing things is going to give them security and protection. You know, even though the police don't necessarily do that all the time, People feel like they they need to feel secure, and that's the that's the big thing so even even using the word defund" to some people makes them feel insecure. so I think he has something something there that that definitely needs to be explored.
2: Uh, eight away from the topic I'll come on to break real soon. but what role did Wilson Good play in the eighty five bombing?
4: You know I think that's a that's a really important question, and I think that the, the answer is equally important. Um, I can say that most of the police officers that were at the house shooting at my family were Rizzo's cops. And I think that, um, you know, not to take anything off of Wilson Good, but I I do believe that, um, people wanted to see Wilson Good in place. Some people wanted to see him in office because they wanted to see a change from what was happening under the Rizzo administration. And I think that there was a plan in place to do what, exactly what happened, but to have that with a white face um, would have been a lot more um, explosive in the community than if a black face did it, because it kind of split the support and the reaction from people. So I, I do believe that Wilson Good played a part in what happened to our family in terms of covering things up and not being honest about what was happening. But I also do not believe that Wilson Good created a plan to drop the bomb and kill my family. I do not.
2: All right, hold that thought right there. We got to take another quick break. When we come back. Mark and, and Baltimore has a question for you, and I got a question about, about Wilson Good. And I'll let you respond on the other side, though. If he, if, if he ever approached you or any members of the family and sort of apologized, because it's it's hard for me to think that a black man would do that, and then and saw so what happened, the destruction, and and even have to pull you to the side, and you know. Don't tell anybody, man, but, man, I, I'm sorry, you know, they, you know that, that kind of thing. But I'll let you respond when we get back. Six away from the top, they have family. Our guest is Mike Africa from the MOVE organization, discussing the 1985 attack on his home in Philadelphia on Osage Avenue. we back in four minutes with your comments from Mark and Bob in Buffalo. Got questions for him right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Or if you're in the DMV or on FM 95.9 and AM 1450, WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again family our guest is mike africa from the move organization momentarily we're going to speak with cam howard from reparations united the reparations that they're using a new technique now to get reparations on on the board of a lot of on the desk i should say have a lot of folks but anyway let's wrap up with mike we got two people mike i know you you're in the gym and you got you got a lot of stuff to do i i know what it's like when you know people interrupt you when you're trying to get your work on but My first question Did Wilson Good or any of the black officers who were involved in in the move bombing, did any of them, you know, pull you guys to the side and say, man, you know, uh, I'm sorry it happened? You know, do they see themselves in you? Uh, I guess that's what I'm asking.
4: You know, that's a good question. I get apologies from people all the time. You know, uh, Wilson Good, yes, he did support our family. He wrote support letters for my parents to come home from prison. Uh, He's been involved in. trying to get the city of Philadelphia to apologize. He has apologized for his role in the bombing. Um, you know, and it's not up to me to accept or reject that apology. Uh, you know, there are people whose children were bombed. There are ch- people whose mothers and husbands and fathers, you know, it's it's the whole there's a lot of people who've been affected by that, you know. And Dino Ward, the father of Bertie, um you know he his he's been affected by that, and no, he does not give Wilson good a pass for what happened in and in, in that um but I think that I think that um going back to the original comments that I made about healing for me for me uh you know it's it's really important that I try to keep in mind the positive aspects of life, the family members that I remember. And that's how I move. That's how I move. That's how I heal. You know, if there is any healing to be done for me, that's how I heal.
2: All right. And that's some more, folks. I'm, Let me try and get these folks in real quick for you. Cam on because you know that's the more question I'm going to ask him if, if, if move, uh, members of the move owners deserve reparations for what happened to them. But anyway, Mark is online three from Baltimore, has a question or a comment for you. Let's do it real quickly. Mark, good morning.
9: Hey, how y'all doing? And um. Brother, you know, you have an incredible story. And and, and the, now I'm finding out there was black officers involved. But here in Baltimore, we had to defund the police um, after George Floyd. And it didn't work out good for us. You know, the police backed up and, and grandma, you know, got shot in the back of her head and on and on and on. But uh, my thing is, um, I think we should, re- you know, go reform the police. And we have so many black officers that's, that's involved in a lot of this stuff now, uh, like George Floyd. It was a black officer that helped hold him down. So, you know, we, we, we have to have a broad brush. And I think if me and you were there, uh, George Floyd would still be alive. So, I mean, there's a lot of black officers involved in a lot of these tragedies now, too. So
2: what do we All do? Right.
9: Well,
4: right. you Thank know,
2: thanks, Mark.
9: That's always been the case. You know, you got the the
4: house Negro and the field Negro. I mean, that's always been the case. I think I think the real important thing that people either don't pay attention to, don't recognize, don't see, or whatever, is that we got to do for ourselves. There, there's no reason for us to have um, things in society the way they are with the police, the politicians, or anybody else. You know, we 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 ha- we are a community ourselves. We don't need other people to do anything for our for us we can do everything that we need for ourselves and i think that the problem is like i said about the gentrification how gentrification has been um enforced on our minds long before it made it into our communities and because we've been displaced and because our leaders have been assassinated and because people fear taking a step toward making a change uh, you know we are stuck in this position, but listen. Just because something is hard, don't mean you shouldn't do it. This stuff is necessary. We gotta protect ourselves. We gotta do for ourselves, and that's the message that I want to send out there to all my brothers, especially the brothers, the black brothers that, you know that that need direction. Listen, treat your, learn to treat your woman better. Learn to treat your brothers and sisters better. Learn learn to 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 be the men that. Men used to be the way we were taught with discipline and uh, respect and responsibility. We've come so far away from our inherent values and our culture that it's unrecognizable to our to our young brothers anymore. It's laughed at anymore, you know, and, and until we get back to those basic principles, that fundamental activity that we had in our everyday lives and in our everyday homes, we're always going to be in need of some kind of person to save us, to come help us. I would never vote for any of these raggedy, crooked, rocky politicians because they You're don't right. represent my interests. I represent my in my family, my community represent my interests. I am an example of what community does. I'm angry. But instead of picking up a gun, I try to pick up some words to try to use them to encourage people to keep moving. You know, and I think that, listen, I, defund the police. Great. Yes. Defund the police. Take that money. And reallocate it to, to to the school system and stop taking our school programs away so that our children can know how to write in cursive. I mean, there's so many problems that we have with this system. And instead of doing for ourselves, we look for somebody else to do it. And we don't need anybody else to do it. We already know what the problems are. All we got to do is put one foot forward toward making the change to make it
9: better.
2: That's right, what it is six... about. Six after top time, yeah, Mike. We're going to move on because we, uh, Brother Cam's on deck. We'll get to him in a momentarily. But Bob in Buffalo has a question or a comment for you. He's on line four. Bob, good morning. You're on with Mike Africa.
6: Yes, good day. Wise words from
10: a young man. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, we who believe in freedom cannot rest. I think that we have to redistribute the pain or redistribute the, the responsibility. When rogue officers act out, it is not them who are held responsible. It's the citizens of the city who pay the cost. There has to be some kind of way to hold them personally responsible so they're not allowed to collect their pension and and rest in peace. We have to hold them personally responsible so they can feel the pain, so they can feel the results of their actions, and not put it on the citizenry of the city to pay for the wrongdoings of rogue officers. Thank you, brother, for your words, your wisdom, and on the move. God
4: bless. (laughs) That's right. On the move. God bless you right back. Yeah, I mean, there's this thing called qualified immunity that's going to prevent uh, officers from from suffering any consequences as a result of their actions and wrongdoing in the community. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that could be examined as well. You know, listen, let me tell you all something. And I don't, you know, before we get, before I lose time and not get this out there for the people, I'm doing this thing called the 13-run challenge.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
4: This is how I heal. The 13-run challenge. For 13 months, starting in the month of May, I'm going to run 13 miles. Each mile. And each run is going to represent one of the people that that had a bomb dropped on them on May thirteenth. You know, from leading up to the bomb, leading up to the forty year anniversary of the bombing. Um, health and fitness is really important to me. Uh, it's important to my family. This is what I remember my family members, the children doing. We ran together. We played together. And for thirteen months, I'm going to run thirteen miles. Every month. You know, uh, I think that if people paid more attention to themselves, to their health, uh, and, and took that as something that's important, I think we'd have less problems in the world. Because if, if you're going to protect your own health, you know, I think well, there's a thing I say the most revolutionary thing you can do is be healthy. You know, and if you're protecting your own health and you're not allowing people to come and shoot you down in the street, and when other people try to do that, when you recognize the health in others, you won't be supportive of that and you won't accept it either. Uh that that's what I'm doing. This is how I heal. Uh for people if they want to learn more about that, go to my website. I'm looking for cheer squad. I'm looking for support. I need a cheer squad and I need a run squad. There's people that want to run with me, part of the run squad, and then there's people that want to they, they don't want to run, they can't run or whatever, but they want to cheer me on. They want to, you know, send me donations. This every dime that comes in from this We'll support the Reclaim Osage campaign because after the government dropped the bomb and took our house from us on, on, on May 13, 1985, I worked my tail off to get our house back, and it took me 39 years to do it, but I did it. And so we're trying to get that house back and pay it off and this, that, and the other. But the 13-Run Challenge, go to my website, www.MikeAfricaJr.com, to learn more and to support. Please sign up for the Run Squad or the Cheer Squad or both. All
2: right. So how can folks reach you, Mike? Social media, phone number?
4: Social media at MikeAfricaJr. Um, I'm on Instagram, and I am on Facebook the most. I have a Facebook page. It's Junior. Uh, my website, www.MikeAfricaJr.com.
2: All right. And please say hello to Sister Ramoma and also uh, Pam Africa as well.
4: No doubt. Thank you for your time this morning, brother.
2: No, thank you, man. It was enlightening. Thank you, Mike. Stay strong, right, brother. On, the move. on a move. Mike Africa from the move organization, 10 after the top of the hour. Good morning, Cam Howard. Cam's on line six, by the way. Good morning, Cam.
11: Hey, good morning, brother Carl.
2: I got to ask you, I have that conversation with with um, Mike Africa, because you're about reparations. Don't you think that that's another cause for reparations, the victims of that bombing?
11: Uh, most definitely. Even though, you know, I was thinking about it as you was talking, uh, as you uh, was talking to my brother, Mike, and on the move to the brother, if he's still listening. But, um. Yeah, as I was thinking about that, you know, we had a similar situation in Chicago with uh, John Burge. He was a commander uh, at, a, at a station on the South Side, and he, he had a torture team that tortured uh, numerous black men, mostly black and a couple of Hispanic uh, young 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 people, man. Some weren't even in their teens, not even uh, 18 yet, but it, it tortured them and made them confess to all types of crimes, mostly murders, and they were sentenced to long prison terms. They were they were subsequently, I think, in uh, 2005, maybe 2015, I think it was. They received uh, reparations, even though some of them had sued, as uh, uh, some of the MOVE members had been awarded a civil suit, civil uh, settlement. They were still able to go back and be included into a reparations uh, lawsuit, uh, a reparations struggle, I should say. And subsequently they got maybe five uh forms of repair they uh, got uh i think all of them got a probably about a million dollars got some cash they got free education they got free uh mental mental counseling for themselves and the families got free education for the their families too at city colleges and children some grandchildren uh participated they had a, a memorial set up for them and uh uh, I think they also they, they included that information into the school curriculum about uh, the Chicago torture regime that, that was in, in in the city. So, uh, yeah, man, you know, in every city you find these massive uh, police atrocities, and there 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 a, a history of police terror. And we struggle for police reparations from police terror today, and so these individual episodes uh, in cities and states. Uh, by state and city law, force, law enforcement agencies, so called enforcement agencies, uh, all have uh, their hand in, in committing these atrocities. And, and they should be brought uh, before a tribunal or before a committee or task force on reparations, and, and they should be uh, redressed, most definitely.
2: All right, hold up Thor, and then we got to take a quick break. 13 after the there. i are going to talk reparations, family. All aspects of reparations with Cam Howard from Reparations United. If you got a question about reparations, hit us up at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we are on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning, once again, family. Twenty-one minutes after the top there, with reparations advocate Cam Howard from Reparations United, and Cam, I, and I sent you this article. I think it was in the Washington Post that said that m- many African Americans believe we deserve reparations, but they're cynical about whether or not we can we can receive or get reparations. I want to get your thoughts on that.
11: Yeah, that's you know that's true. You know, there's always been you know a lot of people say you know I I believe in it, I want it, but I don't think I'll see it in my lifetime. You've heard that. I've heard that as long as I've been in the movement. And some people are right. I, I have been right. You know, they have no transition. You know, to the ancestors realm and have not seen reparations. Uh, but you know, uh, we we had a, we had a time right now. We had at a time where this is so very possible um there's been a tremendous amount of alignment uh in the movement that has you know brought us to a point where we're really on the cusp of actually achieving it, but you know it's it's still a struggle, and unless we you know do the things necessary this time this most um potential time will, will will pass us by so we really have to seize this time make the best of it and we can receive it and we are receiving reparations at some level, uh, particularly in local spaces, you know, if you really understand reparations from an international perspective, you know, apologies and museums and monuments and markers and street naming, all those are considered parts of reparations, but certainly not uh, the restitution and compensation that we look for.
2: You know, Attorney Malik uh, Shabazz is is, uh, putting together or working with a group, putting together so that Everybody sings from the same hymn sheet when it comes to reparations. How is that going? Because we have different groups all over the country, all over the world, actually working on reparations. Some have been doing it for years, and you know, it's one of the hardest things for us as a people is is to, you know, just just to unite, just to be on, on one thought. So, how is that coming?
11: In regards to uh, Brother Malik Tabaz's work, or the unification of the
2: movement? The, both the unification of the movement, really.
11: Well. Um... You know that that's a challenge. We have uh, a, a great deal of contention in the movement right now. Uh, we, my organization, Reparation United, you know, was one of the reasons we formed to try to address the contentions. The contentions um, consist of those who have one position or another around eligibility, who should receive reparations, around what forms reparations should take, and around. Um, what we call ourselves, as, as people who have endured uh, 40 years of atrocities in this country. Uh, and those contentions have really caused uh, a lot of acrimony in, in the movement and uh, negative uh, uh, actions as well as statements, as well as it's been totally distracting in the movement from serious work that we need to be doing around our m- the mission. And so, again, what Reparations United was doing was going around the country and, you know, trying to form a Reparations United front around the central mission of federal redress. If we all just, you know, work toward federal redress in this country that has to come through a commission first, then, you know, that we can unify around and deal with these other aspects, you know, later. You know, because most of them, you know, you can't deal with them right now anyway because we don't have any reparations. So, you know, putting all these things first before we even get to the point of a, you know, a commitment by this government to begin to redress the harms that it been committed against our people, and all those things are distractors. And so uh, that's what we try to do. The average descendant nation, with uh, Brother Malik Louis Shabazz as the conductor of uh, a national push for uh, reparations, is also a unifying force within the movement. And we try to bring together. You know, over 30 organizations uh, at our at the first convention uh, that we had in Atlanta. Uh, there'll be one in DC in uh, I think it's in March or May. Uh, I, I think I had to get that those, those dates. But uh, and one a uh, following one I think will be in uh, Chicago in August. Uh, so that's what they're doing. You know, they're going around attempting to unify the movement around. Uh, One, a plebiscite, which would, you know, determine our aspirations for self-determination, and the other around reparations. And, you know, uh, again, um, the commission process is what this nation has locked us into. Uh, And so, you know, trying to unify the the masses and the various organizations around uh, getting this reparations commission established is something that the African-American nation is doing it. And I've been asked to take a major lead in that process.
2: Well, at 26 after the time, Cam, have we figured out what we want? Have we reached a consensus on what we deserve? I keep saying what we want, but what we deserve. Have we figured that out yet?
11: So what I did, um, Carl, in crafting the new uh, revised H.R. 40 in 2017 was to utilize an international standard for reparations and to get, you know, uh, Black America and reparations activists to agree to this standard that this is uh, what we demand and we won't settle for anything less. And with that standard, it allows for almost every form of reparations that we can think of. Uh, It doesn't exclude any form of reparations. However, you know, again, we we can focus on forms now and don't have a reparations commission or don't have a process that's committed to repair, and it's really a distraction. But what, what I tell people is once we get the commission established, Whatever form of reparations you desire, you should organize with as many people as possible and organizations that also want that form of reparations, and craft the best proposal possible and inform the commission. And the commission will either adopt, and, and hold, in part, or reject. But you know that's where the organizing come in is around what, t- what type of form of reparations take. We deserve every form of reparations, and the international standard of full reparations allow for us to be as creative as possible in crafting redress uh, redress uh, proposals. And, and that international standard is, you know, five components of four reparations. The section and guarantees non-repetition, insurance is non-repetition, restitution, which is education, you know, uh, business development, all type of uh, forms of land, uh, repatriation, uh, compensation is monetary. Uh, satisfaction, as I talk about, is you know the form of apologies, museums, markers, those type of things, and then you know rehabilitation. We we'll look at you know the physical damage uh, from historical trauma, the mental damage or injury from historical trauma, as well as uh, some of the, the spiritual uh, aspects of repair that's necessary in our communities as well. So you know, with this international standard, we can all organize. And inform the commission on whatever form of reparations we desire, and make sure that what comes out of the commission's work is their mandate is to produce a master plan to redress for black people in this country. We can do all of that if we focus on the mission, which is to create the commission, get the commission established by the federal government.
2: Yeah, 30 minutes after the top there. Yeah, let's talk about some issues, though, political issues. Let's start with San Francisco. The mayor there was back in to setting up a panel, I think, and then and then pull the funding. What happened out there? Do you know?
11: There was an uh, overemphasis on compensation. <laughs> and, you know, I was in sober for almost 20 years, about 18 years. And we always believed in compensation as, as part of reparations. But we also knew. That that was the, the era where you go, we were going to get the most opposition by white America. You cannot get reparations without white America. It's simply not possible. We're, uh, the numbers for redress uh, to happen has to come through uh, the majority ethnic ethnicity in this country. So you're not going to get reparations without a, a percentage of white Americans uh, in agreement and. The more you focus on compensation, the less, the harder it is going to be for whites to agree. That's why we wrote the standard for reparation, the international standard, into the commission, because compensation is a component. We don't have to dwell on that. you know. And I think in South Carolina and uh, San Francisco, there was too much emphasis on uh, compensation, and that's not something a white America, uh, I don't care how liberal, you know, San Francisco is extremely liberal. I don't care how liberal uh, whites are. Uh, they're going to oppose in large measure compensation. That doesn't
2: mean we don't continue to fight for it, but we don't, you know. So let me jump in and ask you this, though. Is that a setback, what happened in San Francisco? Because, you know, the people around the world are watching what's going on with reparations and they see, okay, San Francisco's down with it, but San Francisco's a liberal city. And now the mayor has has, has changed her support for even just discussing it. How do you look at it? Is that considered a setback?
11: No, I, I, it's a teaching lesson. I don't think it's a setback because what, what is what is evident, no matter in San Francisco, all around the country, is there's continued impact on black Americans from the four hundred years of atrocities that's been committed against that people. And as long as we have that continued impact, you know, there's there's always the ability to point that out in a way that you can build uh collaborative collaborativeness and allies to support your your uh the campaign for redress, and so, as we continue to focus on the continued impact uh that won't go away unless federal resources and resources you know even at state and local level are targeted towards this impact, you know that's where we build uh keep the momentum going and we keep continue to build our case for redress.
2: All right, 28 away from the top. Uh, Cam Howards, I guess. Cam is from Reparations United. He's been on the front fighting for reparations for, for uh, decades now. And it's a fight that we've been involved with. As I mentioned, the article mentioned the cynicism of most folks. Think They believe we deserve reparations, but they don't think we're going to get it, especially in our lifetime. Uh, Cam, having said that, you, are you still optimistic, though, with all the hurdles that you see in front of us?
11: I'm extremely optimistic, and that's why you know, I created uh, a national campaign called EarnTheBlackVote.net, EarnTheBlackVote, and you can go to EarnTheBlackVote.net and join the campaign. I'm extremely optimistic because, you know, like I said, there's an alignment of, of forces right now that if we actually mobilize around these forces, we can actually win right now. And what do I mean by that? We're in an election cycle, and— for a president. And as we know, whoever wins, the party and wins, controls a tremendous amount of power, not only in this country, but globally, uh, economic, military, uh, and otherwise. And so there is a extreme battle for the black vote right now. The black vote is the key demographic uh, on who wins in this election. And, and since that's the case, and both of these parties want a portion of the black vote, white needs 90%. The Republican Party only needs 20%. They're struggling, fighting to get this vote. In the past, the Republicans have uh, tried to suppress the black vote. What what we'll find in history, uh, Saul, is that since 1952, the Republican Party has won a majority of the white vote in every election since 1952. That's over 75 years. The only way you've had Democratic Party presidents in that particular time is because the black vote made the difference. We gave this country President Kennedy. Kennedy only won 49% of the white vote. The black vote, which 8% of the voting party, uh, voting uh, electorate in this country at that time, we voted over 80-plus percent for Kennedy, and that was the difference. We gave the country Carter. We gave the country uh, Clinton twice, Obama twice, and we gave the country Biden. Our vote has been the deciding factor on every Democratic president's victory. Why we don't All right. Hold on
2: though, right there, because we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, though, tell us how we can how can we leverage that that advantage that we have as voters to get reparations on the ballot or just have one of these uh, presidential candidates or even the, uh, the the third party candidates discuss reparations. I'll let you tackle that when we get back six minutes away, uh, uh, 26, actually, from the top. I'll be back in four minutes, though. Do you want to join this conversation, family? Reach out to us and talk about reparations at 800-450-7876. Cam will take you. Phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If are in the DMV or on FM 95.9 and AM 1450, WOL or information as power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, Cam Howard. Cam's from Reparations United. He's been in the reparations fight for decades. We're discussing the latest developments as far as reparations is concerned. He's talking about earn the black vote. We're going to talk about that with Cam. But before I do that, let me just remind you, later this morning, we're going to speak with Chairman Fred Hampton out of Chicago. Uh, Chairman Fred was part of this uh, panel, Pan-African panel, that was supposed to speak in Ghana, and it was abruptly canceled, You know, along with Julius Melima, Professor PLMO Lumumba, and Ambassador Chimbar. They're all on the panel. So uh, Chairman Fred's going to give us the backstory of what happened there. Also, to talk about the transition of some of our people, people like Seku Odinga, Vala Plumber and more. But coming up later this week, we're going to hear from geopolitical analyst uh, Matthew Ho. Now, Matthew is going to discuss whether these, the recent drone strike that killed three American service people will trigger us into World War III. The issue is three of those, the, the, those three victims are African Americans, two brothers and a sister. Will, will their lives matter that much. And, you know, the Republicans are trying to get Biden to respond. Either way, he's going to be blamed and it's going to and they're going to point the finger. See, black America, Biden doesn't care about you. Three people got killed. So look out for that. But that's a part of what we're going to discuss with geopolitical analyst uh, Matthew Ho when he joins us later this week. Also, Urban One founder Kathy Hughes is going to be with us. She wants to talk about Ava DuVernay's uh, latest movie called Origin. I hope if you've seen it or if you get a chance to see it because it's about class and race. This is something that Baba Lumumba discussed, uh, I think it was last week or the week before when he was here. Also, Neely Fuller Jr. will be here as well before the week's out. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight, real tight on 1010 WLB. If you're in the DMV we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 W. O-L. All right, Cam, let's talk about the politics of this thing now. He says, earn the blank vote. Is this, are you going to offer this to the the independents, the, 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 of course, the Democrats and the, and, and the, the Democratic uh, standard bearer and Republican standard bearer? They're probably already known by now. But is, is this going to be, all of the people who are running for office, are they going to be offered a chance to, uh, you think, that we should leverage our blank vote with them?
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
11: So it's not about uh, future promises, about what is going to happen if someone gets elected. This is about what the two power players can do right now. Right now, the Democratic Party has a president who's in power right now who can establish a reparations commission by executive order. If he wants the black vote in November, we're saying this must be done now before the election. We're not going to wait. It's going to be too late at that particular time. Same thing with the Republican Party. We're not talking about Trump, you know, or any uh, Republican candidate that can do something once they come in. The Republicans control the House. They can call the bill to the floor tomorrow. Same way the president can get establish reparations commission through executive order tomorrow. Both parties have the power right now to act. And because we've, over the last several years, we've built the political will in this country, particularly the Democratic Party, with over 220 federal lawmakers signed on to the reparations bill, either in the, in the Senate or the, or the House. Hundreds of local Democratic elected leaders are pushing reparations around the country. And then the Democratic Party, we have polls that show that about 65 percent of Democratic Party voters favor uh, reparations commission. And so we've built a political will within that party to establish that, to give the president enough confidence to know that this is something that if done, you know, it will speak loudly to, you know, the black voters as well as Democratic uh, Party uh, leadership. Enough of them anyway. And then he just has to convince the others. But we, we built the will. We have a tremendous amount of dependency uh, that the party has on our vote. And so we had an opportune time to actually force this president to do what we want him to do. And, again, if the Republican Party uh, wants that 20 percent of the black voters that they need to win, then um, have Mike Johnson cause his bill to the floor. Now, we're not talking about after the election. We, we have this power now. We have this leverage because this election, this is election year. And, you know, it's only a short amount of time that we have, but if we, you know, build this campaign out and make uh, a commitment to reparations now, the essential issue for Black America, we can force both parties to to act, either uh, the, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. So that's what this campaign is built around. It's built around the total dependency of the Black vote for both parties. Again, the Republicans only need 20%. The Democrats need 89, 85 89 to probably 93% to win. And they don't have that now. Uh, 2.9 million black voters are already, Democratic Party voters are already there, now, and they're still in Biden. So we've already made bids to what else, you know, because he knows he can't win with, unless those 2.9 million black voters come back to the Democratic Party. And we're saying, and we have the message to them loudly that the only way they're going to come back is with the Reparations Commission. But the people have to say that. It just going to be earning black votes. We had to get that message out to the to black voters who have historically voted Democrat and have them stand with us and say, that's our truth. We need a commitment to prepare for justice right now before the election, and then we'll come back to the Democratic Party in November. Uh, too many black people are just throwing away our power by saying, no, I'm not going to vote or I'm going to vote third party. I'm going to vote uh, uh, Republican. I mean, that's throwing away the power that we unintentionally built. I voted Primarily Democrat over the last 20, uh, over the last 40 plus years, we built an unintentional base of power within the Democratic Party that they're totally dependent upon the black vote at this time to win. And for that dependency, we should be able to leverage it and we can leverage it. That's why I'm saying this time is so advantageous to us as a people around reparations movement because of this dependency and because we built the political will in this country around reparations over the last. You know five to ten years um, five to seven years, I should say that we had an opportune time and it's you know very uh and I'm optimistic about it, but the only thing that that lies in our way is our ability to message this to the people to to black people because so we're messing it to this. the 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 both parties already know how important the black vote is. Republicans crafted nine hundred pieces of legislation last election cycle to suppress the black vote. And they spent over nine hundred million dollars in the last election cycle to suppress the black vote. Now they they they've shifted, and they're they're putting money into the black community in the form of talking heads, the form of advertising. Built an underground black Republican movement in the, in in uh, the black community, throwing a lot of dollars to do that, spending a lot of dollars to do that. So you know, both parties know the significance of the black vote. We don't know it as a people. And the more we know it, then we can actually move to get what
2: we want. And we, we're saying a commitment to reparatory justice is what we want. Anyway, 13 away from the top there. And I'm glad you mentioned that because some people don't understand why they hear blacks on the radio or on the Internet or even on TV, you know, supporting what's going on, even though Donald Trump doesn't like you and the Republicans don't like you. The yeah, Republicans insult you all the time. But. They, it, there's a check behind it, so that that's check that's it. the understanding. There's a check behind, it. But, but I can ask you this though: if RFK comes up and he says, "I'm for reparations," you know, as, if you vote for me, as, as soon as I get in, I'm, I'm going to have a panel to discuss reparations. How would that impact uh, the fall elections?
11: Um, hopefully, that would make uh, one of these other two parties. <laughs> uh, if I the more a you know, third party. Um, the more um, uh, successful third party is in this candidacy, that's a win for the Republican Party. Uh, Because the third party is most likely going to pull from the Democratic Party uh, voters. And so, um, you know, that's a win for the Republican Party. And so, you know, we lose our power in that process. That's why I'm saying our focus, you know, we may vote come November, third party, we may vote Republican. But right now, we have to collectively say that both of these parties must earn our vote. And the only way they can do that is by a reparations commission now before the election. And if they don't do it, then, you know, I think a lot of people are going to sit out. A lot of people are going to vote third party or vote Republican as far as Black. And uh, that's a victory to the Republican Party uh, and and a loss to the Democratic Party. So it's in their best interest for the Democrats to act now, as well as uh, the Republicans in their best interest. They can slow play this. Actually, the Republicans slow play this and let it play out the way it's playing out. And the way it's playing out now, uh, there's too many uh, alienated black voters for the Democratic Party to win. What they're trying to do, if you see what's going on as far as the Democratic Party in relationship to the black vote, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars. They're gonna spend hundreds of millions of dollars in this election targeted toward black people. But their messaging is, what biden has done in the past you know uh this is what biden has done for the for the black community you know they want to run on his record and uh, and his record has not penetrated down to you know the the ground the the grassroots it hasn't penetrated down to the local uh brothers and sisters in their communities and so that's not enough we're telling the democratic party your only path to victory uh in this upcoming election is a reparations commission. That's the only thing that's going to drive these black voters back who have turned away from the democratic party. And we have to message that to them, you know, what that, what that actually means, a reparations commission means. And so, you know, uh,
2: yeah, that's what I mean. Let me jump in here though and ask you this though, because I mentioned RFK. What about if it, it's Cornel West? Uh, a lot of people saying that you know they're, they're they're not feeling Biden or Trump, and but they say you know they're, they're voting for their brother regardless. It's Cornel West got their vote. Your thoughts? Yeah, any
11: any third party right now uh, commitment to any third party commitment to any party at this particular point, I think is is. uh, is non-strategic. Our commitment has to be to reparations. And uh, Cornell West again will siphon mostly black voters, uh, some independent, some Democratic voters, uh, white Democratic voters away from the Democratic Party, which is again a victory for the Republicans. Republicans are happy about uh, any third-party candidate because it, it hurts the Democratic Party's uh, stronghold on those particular voters. So you know, I'm in favor of Cornell West's message, but I wouldn't commit to Cornell. Doesn't have power. We're dealing with the power holders right now. The Republican, the Republican Speaker of the House has power, Mike Johnson. So that's what we're targeting our message toward in the, Earn the Black Vote Campaign. Indirectly, yep. directly, we're targeting the president because he has the power. So these are two power holders right now. We're not looking at who can win and in, uh, in uh, 2024 in November. We're talking about who owes the power now and can do something before November.
2: And the question is, what what do we do? So, family, here's what the discussion is with uh, Brother Cam Howe. Is, is they're going to leverage uh, the black vote. They say these candidates need to earn the black vote, as you mentioned. The Republicans only need twenty percent, and they're probably close to it. They probably may top it this time around uh, for for this election cycle. And the Democrats need what you say they need Cam, cameras at eighty or ninety percent. The Democrats need they
11: need upward with to ninety percent.
2: You say ninety percent?
11: Ninety percent with, with the Donald Trump running, because he's going to bring out uh, a lot more white voters. I mean, the last election. Was an historic election as far as how many uh, quote unquote Americans came out and voted. So Donald Trump is going to bring out excited white right? Americans. So the Democratic Party needs a overwhelming support of the black community, up to 90, 91 percent, 92 percent.
2: Well, you know what? I got some folks who want to talk to you. We come up on a break. But my question, what if they say that you, you put this on the table, you get to Clyburn and, and all those who, who are close to got Biden's ear? Because, you know, the black folks who, who are in the inner circle are apparently oblivious to what you're talking about. We, we talk about this on the radio all the time. but Obviously, the people who are close to Biden, like the Clyburns and the other folks, they don't give him this information. So I'm just wondering, should you be getting to them first or should before Biden and how much time? Is there a time limit you give him, but the Bidens uh, to, to uh, administration to jump on this before you say, OK, we, we're not going to support you. So I'll let you talk about that. And as I mentioned, we've got a bunch of folks want to talk to you as well. But we got to take a quick break here, six minutes away from the top of the hour. Family, you want to join this conversation, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 w o l b and also in the dmv run fm 95.9 and am 1450 w o l where information is power And good morning once again, family. minute after the top there with Cam Howard from Reparations United. Cam is one of the in the forefront of the reparations movement. You got a question about reparations? Reach out to us at 800 450 7876. Brother Siddiqui Kambon calling from Boston. Brother Siddiqui, of course, from the Nubian Leadership Circle is with us. Good morning, Brother Siddiqui. Hotel.
10: How are you doing there? I'm Brother Kyle and Brother Cam. Just just wanted to call in very quickly, uh, just to say essentially that. You know, in terms of the Nubian Leadership Circle, that, uh, you know, our mission is to bring together as many uh, black organizations as possible, you know, maintain their sovereignty, but then at the same time about how we can uh, take our ideas and resources and and to, in fact, you know, do what's necessary to best interest our people. So, uh, let me just say, in terms of the Nubian Leadership Circle, um, you know, we paid close attention to the whole reparations piece there. but we're particularly concerned uh, as it pertains to what appears to be a lot of friction, as was mentioned by Brother Cam, among the various groups. So, uh, what it is, is that uh, we're looking to uh, work with folks like Cam who want to bring our folks together uh, in the spirit of achieving the goal of reparations. And they just want, you know, on an ongoing basis. And just want to mention the fact that, uh, in terms of the Nubian leadership circle, that we're doing our next uh, we're doing Summit 10 it's a 10th summit National Black Leadership Summit uh, on uh, February 17th Uh, it's our 10th in in a little over 3 years and our theme is uh, black preparation for our reparations and uh, brother Cam will be doing the uh, closing remarks so I just wanted to put that out there that we're hopeful that we can work with folks like brother cam and others to bring our folks together so we can have that common goal achieved of getting uh
9: our reparations
2: all right thanks brother Siddiqui. cam he, he mentioned bringing people together has, has that been a challenge
11: it, it is a challenge and in, in this you know very contentious cycle that we're in but you know uh everyone's trying it and, it and you know the more we do it the, the more uh uh the contentious elements are lesson um to, to to the understanding that we we have to work together if we're gonna have a victory. Uh, so you know I applaud what he's doing. I, I'm very thankful and appreciative of what the movie leadership circle is doing. I'm happy that they reached out to me. Uh I think I have a message of unity and I have a message uh strategy for a victory that we, you know, if enough people are aware of, I think we can we can push it uh, across the finish line. And so uh, the, the efforts at unification must not cease. They must continue, and they are having an effect. But I want to go to your question before the break around who we target in addition to uh, Biden and the Black voter. You know, we, we teamed up with this high-powered, AI-driven uh, research and marketing firm, And uh, for the entire month of February, we'll be targeting who they've identified as 2,300 of Biden's top influencers. For the entire month of February, we'll be sending massive uh, social media uh, uh, ads or messages, I should say, to these 2,300 influencers, over 500 staff and consultants uh, related to Biden, 500 family members, friends, and classmates, 850 donor advisors, other engagements, constituents and 450 current associates and professional associations that influence him. So we're trying to reach everybody who can speak to Biden. On uh, Saturday, I was in Columbia, South Carolina. The president was in Columbia. Uh, The Democratic Party National Chair, Jamie Harrison, was in Columbia. I had an opportunity to briefly talk to him, probably about 30 seconds or so, less than a minute, uh, to let him know that this is what uh, the black voters are saying we need a commitment to repair to a justice before the election. That's the only way you're going to drive these 2.9 million black voters who are not filling Joe Biden back to the Democratic Party. Uh, time is at an essence. We, we're saying no later than June 10th, uh, because at that time, we need enough time to then persuade black voters to come out and vote for him, uh, vote for the commission. I should say not for him, but vote for the commission uh, once this is established. So. You know, um, we're doing everything we can to target uh, those people around Biden. But, you know, we also have a greater message to targeting uh, black voters, the black electorate, if this is done. And and, and two messages with the black voters. They must stand with us on this demand. And two, if this is done, we have to ensure that a new president cannot rescind this, like, you know, Special Appeal Order 15 was rescinded after Lincoln's death to the new incoming president. So,
2: you know, we have a mission before us, and I think this is a great time for us to fulfill this mission. You know what? Uh, let me just say this. I uh, hear five after the top there, but I just have a feeling that the people who are close to Biden, they're not feeling reparations. They're not feeling the fact that, that they're going to ask him, Masa, uh, you know, people want reparations and you need to talk about reparations and the reason why I say that Cam because they'd have done it a long time ago if I had his ear let me just share this with you I think it's it maybe the Washington Post or some some uh, big Democrats come so they send out messages to journalists and uh, to attend and this is this is today actually it's, it's a zoom thing and they ask the question what question would you ask and, and my question was I thought about it about getting the black vote And I said no reparations what are they gonna do about reparations so I'll let you guys know what if they answer because I just have a feeling that those close to 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 Biden, the the Clyburns, um, and you know the you know who they are, you know they're afraid to say, tell him, hey, this is what the people want. They people want reparations. They they're afraid to broach that subject with him. Uh, what are your thoughts? You have a feeling that uh, they're scared to tell Masa, the house is on fire. Are they afraid, or how do you see it? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I hope I'm know, wrong. I, you know, I
11: think it's like um, I think they're in the form, on the form because like obama said it was a non-starter and it was a non-starter in 2008 we hadn't demonstrated that there was political will on the side on behalf of black leadership i mean uh democratic party leadership or American leadership but now the political will has been demonstrated again we have state local reparations initiatives over 220 uh probably 90 percent a 90 percent of democratic federal democratic electorate Sign on to the bill in the Senate and the House. Uh, black voters, Democratic voters, I mean, not black, but Democratic voters in the 2019 Huffington Post poll, you know, 65% of all Democratic voters favor the study. So he's not getting the information. If he gets the information, and one thing about, you know, these parties, they, they want to be in power. So, you know, we, we hold the keys to their power, uh, the welding of their power. That's the messaging that we have to keep. Pushing forward, we hold the keys. There's political will. You're not gonna turn off your base. You know, 65% most millennials, you know, favor a reparations commission study. You've had leadership at the federal, local, and state level in the Democratic Party that has passed legislation. This is not something that would hurt you. Would, in fact, you know, it's the only thing that can save you. And that's the message we're putting out. There's no path to victory for the Democratic Party unless you deal with issue of reparations. We have to be shouting that, and, and, and at every stage we get, you know, brothers and sisters like yourself who our media must give us these platforms, and thank you, Brother Carl. You've always been, you know, uh, available for us uh, to 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 to, to hammer down his message, and you've reached out to us. We've to reach out to you on, on most occasions, and so, you know, all of us have to play this part in hammering his message home. The Democratic Party know they're totally dependent on the black vote. The Republican Party know that we're the, we the, the electorate that has kept them out of power uh, when they haven't been in power. And so, you know, all we have to do is organize. We have to yeah. organize and, and get our message across. So, right, have got a bunch I don't of believe fo- we can do
3: that. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispie. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken, they're true to chicken. The McCrispie.
0: Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: We have a bunch of folks want to talk to you, Cam, at 9 after the top there. Sandra's in Baltimore. She's online, too. Good morning, Sandra. You're on with Cam Howard.
12: Um, good morning, Carl, and good morning to your guests. I kind of um, disagree with him to a certain extent because, I mean... It sounds to me, you're trying to bully the president to to, uh, bring it to the forefront. He knows about reparations. I don't see nobody going to Donald Trump and saying this is what we want, if you want it. You say you claim it's 20% for Donald Trump. Why don't you go to Donald Trump? It's not like he never been in the White House. Donald Trump was in the White House. Why don't you go to him and say this is what we want, if you want us to get you in the White House? You can't bully the president to to do something that he already know about it takes time and Uh for number two you got too many black people running around here talking like they got an organization that's why we never get nowhere because we split on everything until we come together and unite as once then we might get it but the way you're doing it now we're never going to get it and if you think donald trump going to give it to you you can forget it because he He's already said what he's going to do when he comes to the White House. And it's not about no reparations. He's going to take his Social Security. That's what he's going to do next. And I think you are a Republican. I don't believe nothing you say, sir. You have a nice mm-hmm. morning. Bye.
2: Um, thank you, Sandra. <laughs> <I> mean, Kim. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> My Go
11: ahead, Cam. everything I say there. And I'm not bullying uh, Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden cannot win at the current uh, level of dissatisfaction he has with uh, Black voters, among Black voters. What we're saying to Joe Biden, if you want to win, if you want to win, you have to deal with this reparations question. That's the only thing that's going to turn around these 2.9 million Black voters who don't want Joe Biden as as their president. I'm not bullying them. I'm just giving him the facts. And this is your only path, Mr. President, to a victory. For your party to, to win in November you must deal with this issue of reparations. I'm actually informing him. We're actually informing him and actually alerting him to his only path to victory. And I'm definitely not a Democrat or Republican or independent. You know,
2: Independent. Well, let me ask you this. What are you asking for, though, Cam? Are you asking for a study, a commission? Are you asking for straight-up reparations? What are you asking them for? In
11: this, in this country, you know, um, we they're forcing us to do the commission process. I mean, that's how things are done in this country. And so we're saying establish a reparations commission by executive order. He can do that tomorrow. It doesn't have to go to Congress. And the same thing to the Republican Party. You have the power in the Congress. And we're not talking about Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't even have any power. I mean, he has influence. He can influence Mike Johnson and say, hey, you know, bring this to a vote tomorrow. They, Mike Johnson has the power. He controls the schedule on the House floor. He can schedule H.R. 40 to come to the floor tomorrow for a vote, for a commission vote tomorrow, if he chooses to, if he wants to continue to have black voter support. We're telling black voters, whether they consider themselves Democrat, Republican, or Independent, reparations must be the central message to any party of what we want at this particular time. We've been waiting too long, and we have the power to make this demand. We call it bullying or whatever. Uh, what was that? Johnson said, Make me do it, force me to do it. And we're trying to force one of these parties to do it. And we don't apologize for that. That's what power does. You utilize your power to get what you want. We have the ability to get what we want during this election because of the total dependence on both parties of the black vote, either to come out in lower numbers or to come out in strong numbers. We have that power, and we're trying to leverage it. And, you know, we're so used to not having power that we think that having power is wrong. It's evil. There's something wrong about utilizing it. No, we're going to utilize it because we have it at this time. We're going to utilize it to get reparations, get a commitment to reparations. And that's through a reparations commission. Both parties have the power to establish and self-commission right now if they choose to.
2: All right, hold that thought right there. We've got to take a short break. It's 14 after the top there. we still got some folks who want to talk to you from Cleveland and from Maryland. Family, you want to join this conversation with Cam Howard? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876 discussing reparation, all aspects of reparation. What are your thoughts? Let us know in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV or on FM 95.9 and AM 1450, WOL, or information is power. And good morning once again, family. We're discussing reparations with Cam Howard from Reparations United. He's at the forefront and has been there for quite some time in the fight for reparations. You got a question or a comment, reach out to us at 800-450-7876 at 20 after the top. There. Let's go to Cleveland. Uh, the truth teller is waiting for us. He's on line three or she's on line three. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Can you hear me? Sure. Uh, good morning, Kwesi. Good morning to your guests, brother. I missed your name at the beginning, so apologize for not saying your name. But hey, brother, no number one, I go ahead.
11: I said no problem. Thank you, brother. Okay.
1: Um, the sister who called, I, I disagree with her. Now I agree with everything you're saying, and and, and 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 I respect that. But here's what I'm saying, bro. I don't need no more promises, <laughs> no more commissions. It, when you go buy a house. They, You can't go buy a $200,000, three, $300,000, dollars house without putting down a payment, a, a some sort of down payment, which show your commitment to what you're purchasing. If, only very few people can go out here and buy a car, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars 40000 60000 with zero down. Most people got to put down a down payment. I need something tangible, man. I need a down payment. And so what I'm looking at, I would go another route. This is my frame of thinking, that what should be happening is – All the black congress members, whether in the Senate or in the House, what they should be doing is withholding their votes on everything, especially with this money they're giving to Ukraine, the money they're giving to Israel. This is what I want to see happen. All those black lawmakers right now withhold their votes on giving Ukraine money or Israel money. And what they should do is say, okay, if you're going to give Ukraine 15000000000 billion, you're giving Israel $15 billion, then you double that and you put down a $60 billion down payment right now for reparations for black folks. You also set up a fund right now where every black folk in this country, if they want to change their name from the slave master's name, they can do it for free. You should set up a fund right now just like they did with the the, the – All these other things they do with the new F.A., uh, the student loan or whatever, you you put in a database where right now all high school students have a free trip to Africa for one week, descendants of of slaves, and they get a a per diem of $1,000 per week for a minimum or maximum of at least two weeks. Now, these are things they should be doing, and they should get their so-called allies, whether it's the uh, Hispanic Caucus whether it's the uh, Asian Pacific Caucus, I think that includes indigenous folks and they so-called Jewish allies, if they got them. Don't vote on none of that stuff for Ukraine, Israel, or nobody until you put something in there for us, man. That's how you do it. That's when you're using your power. But the black Congress folks giving up their power. This thing about keep going and getting commissions, I respect that, but we need more than promises, man. We need a tangible down payment now. That's where the power is being given away because the suckers you got in Congress, the black folks you got in Congress, the suckers ain't standing their ground. Tell them when they give Ukraine 15 billion, we want 30 billion. When you give Israel 15 billion, we want 30 billion. You do that and you will get a down payment and you will start to start to see things move. All this going around about, that's why we ain't getting what we want, because the black Congress folks are not doing what they should be doing. And they standing their ground demanding and withholding their vote. That's where they need to withhold their vote. You see what I'm saying? So, I'm, 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 man, I'm up in the air about whether I'm voting. I'm at the point now where I really don't care about voting, because I see what the black folks, when you put them there, they don't do nothing. They ain't doing that. So this is the problem, brother. We can vote all we want, but these folks got to do something. They got to demand when you getting 200,000 a year almost. And then you want to raise and you getting all this money and the benefits. These folks don't give a damn about the the, the, the regular black folks, man. So this is where that power is. And I want to know your thoughts on that. Thank you, my brother. And I you take your thoughts or your comments off the air. Thank you.
2: All right. Thank you, sir.
11: So my brother talked about the power with in with the elected, uh, of the elected, and you know he's absolutely right. You know the black caucus, you know, can wield their political power in much better ways than they have. Uh, this campaign is about the power of the elected of the of the electorate, as opposed to the power of the elected. People have power, and congressional elected leaders have power. Uh, They demonstrated that in the last Congress, when you know, practically 50 of the 52 or three uh, signed on to HR 40, um, the Asian Caucus signed on HR 40, the Progressive Caucus, the Hispanic Caucus. We had you know leadership from uh, elected from all of those caucuses signed on. We had 217 confirmed votes for the HR 40 uh, Commission out of I think they had 223 Congresspersons. So we only needed one other vote in the Democratic Party that was 20 and 23 total. So we had representation out of every you know, racial group uh, in, in the Democratic Party for H.R. 40. So, you know, they stood in that regard. They haven't stood in making the type of demands of actual dollars that my brother is talking about, and they can do that. Uh, we cannot make. We can also include a tangible demand uh, for reparations in this, you know, for these, you know, parties who want, you know, to win in 2024. We can make that demand. I think that will lessen our chance of getting it done uh, than to just make the demand for the commission. And, and again, the commission has been the process. Doesn't necessarily mean it has to be the process, but I think that's the, that's what we it's a struggle to get our people to uh, organize for reparations in a manner that we need them to win. And, you know, uh, maybe putting that tangible uh, demand may assist us. I'm not sure. That's something we have to talk about internally. But definitely uh, because there's a political will for the commission uh, and it doesn't actually put dollars on the table except for like $25 for so the commission's work itself, I think that's
2: something we can get done. All right. Twenty seven at the top. Let's stay in Cleveland. Uh Jamil is reaching out to us online too. Good morning, Jamil.
13: R- Grand Ryan Ryzen, hotel family. Okay. Um, the brother that just called, you know, I agree a hundred percent with him. And um the statement and question I have is Brother Carl asked you something earlier he um, spoke of RFK, and he also spoke of um, the brother that's running, um, I can't remember his name, like Maryland, Cornel West, yeah. And um, the, you kind of, you know, you kind of skipped over that in a, in a little bit. You you pulled that, that question, you know, saying that, you know, that's a win for the Republican Party. But, um, you know, when I hear something like that, I think that, the, the, us as black people and the people that's, you know, uh, stumping for this political process, I, I don't, I, I I hear that. And I say, we're not serious about uh, reparations and we're not serious about having power in the political process because, um, you know, me studying Dr. Claude Anderson, economics is two, it's only two ways that you affect the political process in your favor. And that's you either economically have a, have an economic stake in the, in the candidates that's running. And at this time, black people are not organized enough to have that economic stake in the um, political candidates, or you get a, you go to another party, you create another party or you back another party with your vote. and um you know I, I you know I just when I hear you speak, you know, I commend your efforts, but um the definition of insanity is to keep trying the same thing over expected different results. I've seen four years of um in my lifetime, I've seen four years. Joe Biden. I've seen eight years of Barack Obama, and I've seen eight years of Bill Clinton. And um, and cu- cu- coupling that with reading polynomials, I know for a fact it, it it's not a it's not what I think. I know for a fact, based off of what I've seen, that the Democratic Party is going to keep giving you the same results that they've been giving you because that's what they've been giving you forever. So, it to me, the only candidates that in this particular election that I heard that's even willing to that not practicing benign neglect and that's even willing to speak on reparations is the two can- is uh the candidates that brother carl mentioned earlier so it would make more sense to me to go that route even if they don't win because they the dem it democrats and republicans not going to support reparations no matter what you do i think it would be a better uh i mean it would be much powerful if black people would put their resources behind those candidates And even if they don't win, at least you can come back in four years and say to the Democratic Party, okay, you see what we did? You lost because of that. Now you're going to support reparations? You have a better chance of doing it that way than just saying, please,
11: Democratic Party, support reparations.
2: All right, let's give him a chance to respond. Thanks, Jamil. Thanks for your call. Cam?
11: You just answered the foundational reason behind this particular campaign. You say that if we hold our vote now, in four years we can come back and say, see what you've done. We're already holding our vote now. 2.9 million black people, like the brother who just called, said they're not even filling voting. We've already demonstrated that we can leverage our power now. So we're saying if you want this 2.9 million back to vote for you in November, you must do this right now. RFK, Northwest, do not hold the power to do anything right now. That's why this message is only at those who hold the power. Now, if if they don't do it in the reasonable time, sure, let's go over to a third party or not vote or vote Republican. Do whatever you want to do at that particular point. But right now, at this particular time, we have the power. And numbers are power. When people are dependent upon you, that's power. But then both parties are dependent on the black vote to win. The Republicans need less going to the Democrats, and the Democrats need about ninety percent of the black vote in order to win. Our voting, whatever we choose to do in November, is gonna determine the outcome of who wins. Whether it's the Republican or the Democrat. A third party is not gonna win, although I understand and I have voted third party because they hope they are pushing a particular issue that I would agree with. But before we get to November, I'm saying right now, we have, we have a level of power to persuade, force, courage, bully, I don't care what words you use, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party to address this issue of reparations only in the form of a commitment, which is a redress, uh, a, a study uh, commission. Let me pick
2: out something because right we come up on break. Let me pick out something that Brother Jamil just, and from Cleveland just said. So, is the cutoff date Juneteenth? If they don't toe the line by Juneteenth, they, then we go in another direction? Is that what I'm hearing? I don't
11: th- yeah, I don't think we'll have the, the time to persuade black voters to come back if they, you know, don't wait until November, or whatever. And, and plus, Juneteenth will give the commission an opportunity to be established before November or have, we'll know who's going to be on the commission if it's not fully established. You know, those things will be in place by November. So we're saying June, you know, uh, Juneteenth. We want it earlier. Uh, so certainly the commission has six months to be established. So, you know, by November, if they do it in uh, April, May, it'll be better. Uh, we're going all out right now trying to get it done as soon as possible. But I think if it's not done by June, then, you know, um uh It would be difficult to persuade two point nine million black folks to come back to the part of the vote democratic even for a reparations commission so
2: Right. And I think you need to tell them that, that date too when you talk to them. But listen, speaking about time, we got, we got to take a short break here. We got 26 minutes away from the top down. We got some more folks who want to talk to you about reparations. Want to hear your thoughts? Reach out to us at 800 450 7876. I'm going take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning, family. 22 minutes away from the top of the hour with Cam Howard. Cam works for head of uh, Reparations United. He's been in the reparations fight for decades. I'm coming up with a new uh, technique now to get reparations in front of some of our lawmakers and some of these presidential candidates. Before we go back to Cam on your phone calls, let me just remind you, coming up later this week, you're going to hear from geopolitical analysts. Matthew Ho. Now, Matthew is going to discuss the, if we're on the cusp of World War III. As you heard, uh, the, a drone st- a strike hit three uh, U.S. military pers- personnel. All three were African Americans. we see if this makes a difference. the Two brothers and a sister. And uh, if this will kick off World War III, or was, a, w- was it a false flag? We'll find out. We'll have those discussions with geopolitical analyst Matthew Ho when he joins us later this week. Also, Urban One founder Kathy Hughes is going to be with us to talk about Ava DuVernay's movie. The flick is about climate and race. And if some of you may recall that Baba Lumumba held a a great discussion about class and race in our struggle a few weeks ago. Also, Neely Fuller Jr., Doctor Wilson's uh, mentor, joined us as well. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on ten ten WOLB. If you're in the D M V run FM ninety five point nine and AM fourteen fifty WOL. All right, Cam, we've got some folks want to talk to you. Money Mike is on line one. He's calling from Baltimore. Money Mike, you're on with Cam Howard.
14: All right, good morning to you and good morning to Cam. Cam, how many years you've been at uh, reparations, the fight for reparations?
3: McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispies. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
11: About 20. All
14: right, you'll be doing it another 20. Let me tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you why. How are you gonna make white people give give African Americans something that they aren't getting? You gotta make them do it. You gotta do it economically, which we don't talk about. The other gentleman talked about it. We don't want to support our candidates uh, economically, but I got a solution. The way we can do it is boycott lotteries in every state. In every state, African Americans. Majorly, majorly, excuse me, uh, support the lottery, and you don't bet on it, Cam. And I know, Carl, you don't bet on it because it's a, it's a fool's bet. But we do it. The three day, uh, the three digit, the four digit, now the five digit. They're just sucking money out of our communities, and what it will do, it will send up property taxes in every county, which will force white people to come to their county exec. And ask, why are you raising my taxes? Why are my property taxes going up? Well, because your property taxes used to come out of the rainy day fund. They used to come out of the lottery. Well, we're not getting the lottery money anymore. Well, why aren't we getting the lottery money anymore? Because African Americans aren't supporting the lottery. Why aren't they supporting the lottery? Because they want reparations. But if you can't force white American politicians to to take a stance, and they're not going to, then we don't have a win and i don't see us having a win how are we going to make them do it because white people the majority of them are just as poor if not poor than us and you think they're going to let us get a leg up ain't no way in hell and i'll take your comment your response
2: All right. Thanks, Mike. And that's a good point that Mike is making, Cam, because, you know, white folks think anything that happens, anything we get, even though Obama makes the presidency we win something, it's a loss for them. That's the psychology that they have. So if they, well, Money Mike is saying if they, if we get reparations, they think it's coming out of their pocket. So
11: you, you, uh, in the segment, you were, in the middle of the segment, you were talking about this whole issue of class, class and race. Well, the leadership, white leadership class in America, you have two contingents. One is Democrat and one is Republican, and you have, you know, a third independent. But primarily you have two political leadership classes, elite classes in America, vying for political power. We don't have to, at this point, convince all the masses of white folks to create a uh, a reparations commission. We only have to convince the leadership, political elected leadership class of white America, either the president and the Democratic Party or the Speaker of the House who controls the Republican Party. Those are the only two decision makers that we're, and we have the power, and I can't stress this enough. We have the political voting power at this particular point to force, to make one of these elite power centers in this care in this country, Commit to reparatory justice by way of a uh, reparations commission. We have that power, and you know we can throw it away, or we can ignore it, we can deny it, but it exists. They are totally dependent on the black vote, either coming out or not coming out. Uh, And so, you know, we have the power. We're going to use it or we're not.
2: All right, 17 away from the top. Let's keep rolling. Ramsey's joining us next. He's on line three. He's calling from the district. Good morning, Ramsey. You're on with Cam Howard.
15: Good morning, Carl, and good morning, Cam. Thank you for having me, on. I've said this before. The only way we'll ever get reparations is by filing a class, class action lawsuit and demanding three DNA tests, three passports back and forth to Africa. And the names of all the former slave owners that kidnapped and enslaved our ancestors and brought them to this country. And all of that information is in our archives. Every slave that was brought to this country, how many times their names were changed, is in all in the archives. And we can get this information under the Freedom of Information Act, the same way the, the ancient alien files was, was, was released, by filing suits. It took them over 10 years for the ancient alien files. If we, it's not going to take it that long if we file a class action lawsuit. In the federal court in Washington, D.C., demanding all that information from our national archives to prove that we were kidnapped, our ancestors were kidnapped and slaves and brought to this country in 1555 by John Hawkins, who we went to Africa in a ship called called Jesus. And 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 the name of Jesus because hundreds of years earlier the missionaries they went over there with the Christianity thing and that's how come our, our ancestors was was brought back over to this country. They wrote the song called "You Can Have Back All This Western Land, Just Give Me Back Jesus." Well, they thought the, the slave masters thought they were talking about Jesus faith. No, they were talking about the ship that brought them over here. So that's our history. And until we take it to the federal court and file a class action lawsuit, that's the only way we're gonna get reparations.
2: No, All right, way let's give him a chance to well, respond to that, Ramsey. We've got some more folks who want to talk to him, and you're starting to repeat yourself. But thank you for your call. Uh, Cam, he says the only way we can get it is a, f- a federal and a class action lawsuit.
11: So well, there was a lawsuit in 2005. Uh, it was a combined lawsuit of several lawsuits. They combined into the one case. It was uh, denied uh, a reparation lawsuit against you know corporate actors. It was denied. Um, and the judge gave five reasons for denying, and we haven't um, put together a legal team and the money that it takes to file, the tremendous amount of money takes to file lawsuits. We had to raise a lot of money in 2005 to support those lawsuits and the appeal. Um, We haven't put together a legal team to address those five areas in which uh, the, the reparations lawsuit was denied. Now, if that was to occur, then certainly we would use that particular uh, strategy. But right now we have a political strategy, and that political strategy is to take advantage of the power we unintentionally built over the last 70 years by voting Democrat. And when we switched from the Republican Party in totality in 1960 to the Democratic Party, Kennedy began to dismantle apartheid in this country. Johnson, uh, who came in, the next president, actually dismantled apartheid by signing into law the Voting Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, and the Fair Housing Act, which l- legally ended apartheid. That was the use of the political power. And Johnson said, you had to make me do it. And through the, uh, you know, the radical aspect of black America, where way it made him do it. Carter came in, who was the next Democratic president, and established affirmative action. Now, now none of these presidents, had, you know, are blameless in some of the continued, uh, um living conditions of black America. None of them are blameless. but we got from um, the Kennedy-Johnson administration, the enemy of apartheid, and we got affirmative action with the Carter administration. With Clinton, Obama, and Biden, we demanded nothing. I'm saying we have the power right now to demand a commitment for reparatory justice from this, from the current. We're not, we're not talking about after the election. We're talking about what we have the power to do now because of their dependency on the vote to stay in power we can put someone in power or we can help someone stay in power that's the power that we possess right now and if, if either party wants to stay in power then this is something that we can force them to do because we have the vote the numbers that they need in order to, to stay in power
2: all right 12 away from the topic i always keep stepping in on tony's waiting for us online too he's also in washington dc good morning tony Is Tony there on line, too. And I think Tony left us. Let me ask you this though, Cam. You know when this 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 fight for uh, reparations it reminds me of what we did with the King Bill to get the King Bill, the national holiday. And it took Stevie wanted to get it over the goal line. And before Johnny Cochran left us, he he was in the forefront of reparations. Do you need a charismatic person to carry the ball to to take it to, to the end zone? Yeah, we definitely
11: need him. Influencers, You know, whether they're you know, social influencers, uh, cultural influencers, political influencers, we definitely need influencers. People will have a high profile in this country to uh, actually sign on. And that's something that we're missing right now. And uh, part of the Earn the Black Vote campaign is, to, you know, we're looking for those influencers. You know, right now, you know, these people want resources to speak to issues. And, and we're certainly trying to come up with some resources to get them out there. But, you know, all of this, my brother talked about money. It would take some resources to, to move these issues. And, you know, some of the resources that we have, we're targeting toward messaging the president. That's stated, 2,300 of his influences. We'll be messaging for the entire month of February. Then we have to message the black electorate, uh, which also requires an tremendous amount of resources to do that. So, a lot of what uh we need to to make this happen centers
2: around uh economics so yeah, I just got a tweet, and I'm laughing about it, but I'll read it anyway. he tweeted, says if you get Taylor Swift to support reparations, black people will get reparations the next day, so I don't know <laughs> if it's in the, it's in jest or is he serious about that, or is she serious <laughs> there's but there's
11: some truth to that, you know, uh, you know. She influences white America, man. A lot of white Americans, you know, uh, will run, it, especially the You know, what we see in, in the reparations movement is the older white Americans are, that's the left group that favors reparations. Younger people understand, you know, uh, the racial inequalities that come from past uh, actions of this country. They understand it more. About 60% of millennials favor of all races favor a reparations commission or reparations in the form of education. And that may not favor compensation, but they favor some form of redress for the atrocities committed over, you know, centuries by this government. So, you know, a young person who's a, you know, influencer, who's a celebrity like a Taylor Swift who's white would come out for reparations. You know, it it, it may sound funny, but there's some truth to that that they would, you know, be very beneficial
2: to the movement. All right. Nine away from the top of the hour. Christian's calling us from Malibu. He's on line four. Good morning, Christian. You're on with Cam Howard.
16: Good morning, Cam and Carl Nelson. The fact that the uh president has to use Taylor Swift, let you know how with deep trouble uh, he is actually in. And then I want to commend you for hands with that ignorant woman talking about uh, bullying. Biden is the bully when he told that uh is he, he was an invited guest on the, a radio show that if you don't vote for me, you're not black. That's supreme right. racism. So let's talk about the reparations. We, I'm talking to these kids 15 to 25 who just coming into their home. You have to identify the people who are against your interest. Now, I'm out of Los Angeles. You haven't heard Maxine Waters say anything about reparations. She's passed her expiration date. Jim Clyburn, was against reparations and qualified immunity. When the police shoot an unarmed suspect. See, these are the people that hurt us, and so we have to identify them to get them out the way. And uh, California has put reparations to the side. They're not gonna move on it. And uh Newsom, we're not voting for him. He's using black people like they do in commercials. The white man is in charge and the black woman is in the picture, but she has no she has no validity. So that's what he did. He used the reparations as a rallying point, but then he won't act on it. It's, it's all on the dog and pony show. Go ahead, sir.
11: So um, I, I don't, I don't think I heard a question, but I certainly agree with uh, with, with with your sentiments. Um,
2: hey, hey, let me jump course. in here then and ask him: Why aren't they uh, the, the Maxine Waters and, Jim, uh, and Clyburn? Why aren't they? uh barbara lee the rest of them why aren't they talking about reparations they've got the ear of of biden why why aren't they you know is it do they need their the people who they represent to call them up and tell them hey we 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 need reparations why are they so silent on on the issue of reparations
11: well black misleadership as uh our brother glenn ford used to call them um take their, you know, cues of talking points from, you know, white leadership. Uh, If if they believe whites don't want to hear it, they're not going to speak to the issue. Um, The CBC did a poll, their own poll, in 2022, uh, and asked, you know, voters to say which of the four issues was most important. And they used reparations, uh, the crime bill, voting rights, and infrastructure bill. And reparations was number one at 65%. The um, voting rights was probably 20%. Uh, uh, infrastructure came in third, and the crime bill came in fourth. So they are clearly aware that the number one, two to uh, three to one, the number one issue for black Americans, uh, according to the CBC poll, is reparations. So uh, while they're not saying it, you know, It's the power to be, the money that – brother talked about money that's behind them. Uh, They're always running for, you know, campaign – raising funds for the next campaign. So those things probably have something to do with it. But – and that's
2: why All right, here. hold the thought right there. I'll let you finish your thought in a moment. We're running late here. We gotta take a short break. Right, six minutes away from the top, there. with Cam Howard from Reparations United, and unveiling his plans or the group's next plans to get reparations for us. You want to speak to him? 800-450-7876. five zero seventy eight seventy six. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes, right here in Baltimore on ten ten W O L B. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM ninety five point nine and AM fourteen fifty W O L. Where information is power. Keep And good morning again, family. Minute after the top there. Momichello, we speak with Chairman Fred, but right now we have Cam Howard. And we've got some, still got some people want to talk to Cam about reparations. Michael's on line one is in Pittsburgh. Good morning, Michael. You're on with Cam Howard. Good morning.
17: Good morning to the both of you. My one question, I have a question in comment. My question is, have you gone to the black churches across this country and seen, are they in favor of reparations? The other thing I'm saying about reparations is a debt. There's a debt owed because they promised us 40 acres and a mule. And we never got that because the government signed off to not give it to us. What about the Freeman banks and the Freeman bureau and the money we had in those banks? Somebody stole it. And the free labor, no such thing. And the fact that we had inventions, the fact right. that they buried a lot of cities underwater and burnt them down. There's a debt owed.
2: All right, Michael, let's give him a chance to respond, because we're erasing the clock here. Thanks for your call, right, Thank you. All right.
17: Well, certainly, as a dad, I agree with that. When
11: it comes to the black churches, it's an election cycle, and a lot of black—I don't know what that percentage is. I don't know if it's 20 percent to 80 percent. I don't know what that percentage is. But black um, clergymen are receiving some of these resources as well to get the black vote out. So— that may color whether or not they're going to raise reparations or not. Uh, we know I just saw where 100 uh, black churches are calling Biden out, and they can't get their par- the parishioners to c- come out and vote uh, in regards to his actions in Palestine. Well, why? You know, I'm I'm not saying that the Palestinian issue is not an issue to be to to be you know vocal about. But if you're going to hold the black vote uh, hostage, I think it should be on reparations as opposed to something, you know, is happening on the other side of the world. And so that's something we had to convince. You know, we try to get a meeting with these pastors, uh, but that's something we had to convince, you know, the black Christian community to convince their particular leadership in regards to the certainly of the churches have to be involved.
2: All right.
17: One more comment, Carl. Can I have one more comment? Just one more thing?
2: Make it real quick.
17: Real quick. Those who turn down and refuse reparations— they're comfortable, as Miss Francis said, where they're at. They don't care, and we got to turn our back on them because you'll hear them call from this day on, and you hear them all the time. They're obviously comfortable, as Miss Francis said, where they live because they ain't out marching for us because if they really care, we shouldn't have to march. They would march.
2: Thank you. All right. Thanks, Michael. I, I'm glad you said that. Somebody tweeted. I just we don't have the time for the tweet because Chairman Fred's on deck. But Wes is in uh Georgia somewhere online too. Big West, I'm you t- your comment, your question for Cam real quick.
15: Right on, man. I hope y'all hear me, man. Look at here, term of prayer, freedom all. But look here, man, separation, man. Get out of their wars. Okay. Get out of their political system. This big great change say it's over, man. The clown and stuff I saw with Tim Scott on one side and Clyde Burns, I'm talking about we shit, Martha. Okay, get out of this system. Separation time, man. I love y'all. Peace out. All
2: right. Thanks, Wes. Cam, you want to respond to Big Wes? Hey.
11: Separation is always viable, man, in my book.
2: So, Cam, we before that. we let you go, how can we help you get the word out? What is it you need from the audience who are listening to you now to get reparations in front of these guys who are running for political office in November? And again, Juneteenth, if family, that's, that's the date. Keep that date in mind. So go ahead, uh, 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 Cam. What do we do? Sure. What do you need? How do they reach you?
11: Yeah, go to earntheblackvote.net, not com, but .net, earntheblackvote.net. You can sign on and join on uh, the movement. We have teach-ins every to uh every second Wednesday or every other Wednesday of the month uh to uh share the foundational truths to this campaign, how you can join, you can join a working group and help us push this this movement forward. We have the power. the most important thing that I want to push you know in this conversation is alerting our listeners, your listeners Carl, that we have the power right now to influence the next election. And and doing and having this power, we can get what we want now if we organize
2: for it. All right, thanks, Cam. Keep up the good work, and let us know if we can help you.
11: Thank you, brother. You're doing a tremendous job at that already, and I'll come back for you as we need it, brother. Give you all right.
2: Cam Howard from Reparations United. Let's turn our attention to five after the top of the hour. Chairman Fred Hampton. Chairman Fred, free them all.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits. Long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Is the chairman there on line four? <laughs> there he goes. Hey, gem- yes, sir. Good morning. And I should probably say Happy New Year. I don't think we've spoken this year. Have we?
18: We sure have. Sure no.
2: I, I <laughs> yeah, well let's get into, because you, you were part of this uh, Pan-African conference that, that was going to take place in Ghana along with Julius Melina, Professor PLO Lumumba, and the Master Chirambari Kwa. What happened out there in Accra? Oh wow. Um, uh, the they they, they, uh, administration,
16: they never had to say
18: that it was a uh, council. Um, I that, uh, I don't know what it's are gonna try It did not to be that it was one of the most. I uh, saw so a lot of people. It was one of the most um, it's, uh, inspiring uh, events that I was able to attend. That was that was actually there was actually canceled. In other words, um, the, uh, the masses, the masses of Africans, I'm talking about, that was out there, um, uh, right, right by, right, right, by the, uh, right by the square, in the square, and in the crowd. I mean, it was conversation that was happening. And, again, uh, the administration, they never said that, 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 uh, it was canceled. But, so people were outside waiting, you know. And Africans um, uh, uh, from the U.K. I'm talking about Africa, you know what I'm saying. I mean, uh, they, they were there. Uh, other, other forces from up to the U.S. And, um and the conversations, the interviews, and the energy that was there—it was intense. You know, I mean, it was—it I mean, I mean, was, it was, it was electric. You know, and um, it was I more mean, you turn, you ask the conversation, what's going on, uh, every, uh, what's, what, what's going on in the UK, what's going on in the US. I mean, uh, the, I mean, the discussions about me, Abu Jamal updates. You know what I'm saying? what's happening here, you know, so I mean, it was, it was phenomenal, but again, the uh, administration, they didn't, they never did they were sitting to council, but um, I mean, again, the people themselves, was, uh, was uh,
9: had an unofficial event, you know, right
2: outside. So what was the reception like when, there you've got brothers and sisters from all over the, the planet meeting, what, what was the reception like in Ghana, were the were the Ghanaians friendly? I was I was asking about the reception that to the, all the people from across the, the planet, black people, Pan African leaders, coming to Accra, was the, was the reception friendly from the Ghanaians?
18: Oh yeah, oh yes, yes. Uh, I was actually calling this woman, and she, She's a phenomenal organizer uh, out of the UK, and, and, and I was, uh, called her. She was, you know, she was I was mean, she was, you know, was, was just uh, the menace uh, the and uh, Africans in general, you know, uh, it, it was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was
2: phenomenal. Yes. Yes. And, and Chairman, help us out here at nine after the top there. Could, could you discern that the problems that we have as black people since it was it's a global meeting of, of Africans from all across the planet, are our problems equally the same or some more, some somewhat different from the others?
18: Yes, you know uh, uh again you know you're, uh still uh, 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 you know some similar, similar questions similar um um i can we address that even 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 we say u s we even uh we we we, can, we can go go to different particulars but you know being colonized you know like you can see different dynamics you know say race you know uh class contradictions you know the people you know uh, different types where which 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 uh, respective uh colonizers who who you colonize by? You know say, and Of course you know, are you know differences, you know, if deal you with know, certain, certain points of unity and you know uh you, you know uh, you know, certain barriers, you know, say, you know language barriers so on the so forth. again, uh I I even when I was there, um I, uh, going to, going from uh Cape Coast to um acquired back back to uh what is it, uh Tim Timid. And you know, you, can see, you can see, you know, similar to like contradictions, let's say in Chicago, South Side, West Side, you see, you know, so you know class contradictions, you know, what I'm saying? how people deal with being colonized, who, you know, who, you know so, so deal with final respect for community.
2: Yeah, and I got to ask you about Prime uh, Prime. Prim. Did you get a chance to go down and see, uh, and, and explain to the audience what, what they have in Prime Prime, and, and if you had a chance to go back there?
18: I did not get to make it uh, to, uh, this, this side of the problem. I did not get to make it this side of the problem. I did not get the expatriates, uh, uh, ex- uh, a lot of our people, uh, you know, uh, went back home from, from the state and um, resettled up there. And the first time I went there uh, was two, two years ago. I was in, in, in touchdown there. And then official reception. This this particular trip was like the last minute probably, like we had a delegation and it was the last minute the like last minute trip, you know, so it, it wasn't as well planned. Um so, so we kind of like you know like taking our moves as we get as we get as, as we got there. But again, that that's 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 an area against you because yeah, where well, I think was uh like, Wow, this these these calls from you, you know, uh D C New York, Chicago, so on and so forth. So that, that, that's the area where are not Expats, what so they refer to, uh, uh,
2: they refer to so people who came back and they want resettle back to the to homeland. Yeah, eleven after the top A lot of expats have, have moved to Ghana, and, and they, they, you know they make it sound like it's it's utopia that all the problems are, there are no problems in Ghana. But we know that uh, Ghana has problems. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so oh. I, I don't want to dwell on the problems too much. But what are some of the issues? Because you got people listening now. Who, who, Packing and ready to move full time to Ghana, uh, Chairman Fred. What what are some of the issues you think they they may run into?
18: I think I think, I think you know, in situation, I, you know, I, I, just, I think just important. We do get like obviously good, the bad, and ugly. Because I feel we can't romanticize situation. we, we come out of some situations, It's more tests. You know, saying so you know, so you, you, when you confront something, you, you, you confront uh, something different. You know, so like you know, kind of like a relationship or or uh, anything. You, you, you come in, you know, romanticize and everything, so, and this very really, 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 really really like the, the ugly. like, even, even with this, this, um, this trip here, like it wasn't well planned out, as like, the last bit, and I, I have to bite the bullet, I'm self-critical myself, too, because, like, even some of the, um, forces I picked, that uh, we, we grabbed last week to go on this delegation, just, you know what I'm saying, um, do do some, some, some more my season one more season, season comrades that they didn't have the uh passport. Was, uh I had to i tell myself because on the force I could going to into the legacy. So we went to we, a couple of places We went to they um some the, individuals added they uh got to say their naivety. You know saying they come in with a matter size one situation, um down back towards um Cape Copes, this is the area down um with with the slave countries mean, And couple individuals use I mean I mean literally I had to, like you can like you can literally see run that tourism, you know, they like, write over the you know, face. Line. And usually it was a dedication. I think mean, it's a parent we you know, we, we prepare ourselves politics, you know, uh, you know, a basic education that again not to come in with a romanticism some people can carry certain um see, uh tendencies and characteristics when they like you know, like a um but, um they didn't care, like a, a class of arrogance. So it was a couple of young, couple of young, young it was one, a young force in particular. i tried to dwell on it, but naivety over the door for you know, certain places to go in and leave. The, and, and, and we had a situation where my phone even came up missing. My telephone,
2: my cell phone even... Yeah, hold that thought right there, Chairman. We got to take a yes. short break here. At 14 yes. after the top there our Chairman Fred, just back from Ghana family, he's giving us a report on his trip. Also, we want to talk about some of the folks that we lost, like Brother Sekou Odinga, Viola Plumber, Ralph Pointer, more, and I know Chairman Fred wants to mention those as well, but we'll do that when we get back in four minutes. You got a question for the Chairman? Reach out to us at 800 450 Six your phone calls in four minutes, as I mentioned, right here in Baltimore on ten ten WLB. Also in the DMV or on FM ninety five point nine and AM fourteen fifty WOL. Where information is power. Twenty one minutes after the top there with our guest, Chairman Fred Hampton chairman fred is just back in the country from africa i gotta shout out his mom the sister akua injuri <laughs> true soldier uh chairman fred so i am gonna let you shout out your mom because i know you, you i don't know if you've spoken to her yet since you got back uh we may have lost the chairman kevin see if we can get him back first Hello? oh there there he is all right go ahead chairman
18: uh, uh, uh yeah i'm, I'm, I'm do you hear me all
2: right yeah that, this is much this is a much better line chairman uh before we do anything, though, Ra wants to greet you. He's calling from Baltimore. It's on line one. Ra, good morning.
5: Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'd like to thank the creator Yahweh and your brothers and your engineer for the opportunity. I'm looking for unemployment, Fred, but I will send more, as Derby Harbor say, more donations to you as soon as I can. I would encourage everyone out there to save donations, to save and protect the Fred Harrington House. And greetings out to my lifetime president in core is Jerry.
2: All right, uh, Chairman Fred, how's that coming to, to, to save the Hampton House? How's that that movement doing?
5: Right on, uh,
18: uh, tugging th- for poor. It's, you know what I'm saying? We, uh, I, I just um, just, I just comment uh, uh, comment when I, when I got back in, get some updates. We in the process of doing, you doing some uh long needed re- uh, renovations. So the process is still happening. So we're get people still to support. Um uh, uh, those who know uh, or who, who should know, we you know, so again we know a few sometimes we you know so we take we, we save it, you we know, so get the banks on our back. However, the work is continuing, the programs are still continuing and it's going say everything, you know, it's always you know, in fact we just had to get a new a new furnace there recently. So uh, again a, the continued support is just, is just truly appreciated, but it's just tug the poor and uh the the, uh, the campaign is all gone, the work is all gone. So, Robustin, appreciation. And I did catch catch you did, uh when I came on. So, I did want to extend Robustin's love respect. His uh, mother, comrade, of course, Jerry. Um, you said the true soldier,
2: true soldier. Uh, yeah, a true soldier. Those of you who know the story of Fred Hampton, uh, uh, Fred Hampton Jr., So If you've seen the movie, those of you who are not familiar with the best the stories there. But let me, before, I don't know if i ever asked you this. How, how close do you consider that, that movie to, to what really happened?
18: You know, as I always, always, um, I think I said before, uh, even, even during the process, I uh, uh doing the filming, um, you, you, the, the con, conversation must be, um, put in context. You know, see, so, you know, uh, with with Jigilla and even in, uh, in uh, Hollywood also, um, and I, 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 do an analogy, you came for the shark in a fixed stake, So, Chairman Frey was revolutionary. Black Panther Party was a revolutionary organization. But again, that we were able to get, we were able to put as I say, as we say, a lot of Panther Cub pills and the applesauce. It was, it was a lot, it's, it's a, a lot of relevant information. So we, we were fortunate, to, as well, we refer, we refer to having the dream team. You know, so, I mean, uh, from the, you know, some director, producer, the cast members, uh, which we see results even to this present day. You know, all, uh, the still relevant conversation coming from the movie, the relationship still. In fact, I just seen. Uh, the director Shockley king uh, to, uh him and his father at a home going service of violent Plummer um uh, uh in um d twelve in new york so again it's, you know, uh there's you no know, of course there there's some contradictions but however we were able to get a lot of information in there uh in there, uh in the movie so uh, uh revolutionaries you know that uh never satisfied So, we always want to just say oh, we can continue continue up to handy but again overall you know what I'm saying? We able to, to put
2: a lot of, a lot of, of pills yeah, and sauce. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand what happened. You know, I was having a conversation this the other day about uh, Mark Manning about Judas and the Black Messiah, and he, he says it was a straight-up assassination. Uh, that There was no shots fired. Were there any shots fired? Because you said there were no shots fired from where your father and Fred, Fred, Fred Hampton, Mark Clark, where there was no shots going out. All the shots were coming in. Is that correct?
9: Yes. Uh,
18: in fact, that, that even from that, from their on, from the state's own ballistic specialist, uh, a, a ballistic specialist uh, perspective, it was revealed that at the most, there would have been um, a, a, a one, one shot, uh, a, a reflex. Uh, when Defense Captain Mark Clark, when he was shot, you know, because so they say in fact the um, who's who's, who's on, on by the door, the front door, the, the shotgun, the shotgun, uh, the, the shells uh, went towards went up. And they say they they from their own ballistic, from the state's own ballistic specialists, they even acknowledge that the most that shot being shot is as re, a reflex after after he had been shot.
2: Yeah. And again, I just mentioned that because some of our young people don't understand our history and what we went through. You know, we just had a conversation yeah. about reparations. You know, your family deserves reparations yeah. for what, you know, from that aspect. I know, you know, Cam Howard. So, you know, okay. that conversation should should happen because that's part yeah. of reparations, too. So but okay. let me ask you this shout chairman. Out to Cam. Shout out to yeah. Cam. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Cam's a good brother. Uh, the, the cancellation of the the convention, though, how did that? How did that? Is it has it been canceled or just postponed?
3: McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
18: I'm I am not know present the type of status because again, it's really like it was they were very careful you know, uh, without the official position you know, you know, you know, like even people, people inquiring the out there uh, the that the, the, the word council never even came out. So I'm, I'm gonna be checking back with some forces and by myself to you know, see what's the, what's the update in regards to how you gonna move with uh, I don't know, you know what saying, um, how they plan to move forward. But again, the, the, the conversations and the mobilism and the energy that was that, that was just even outside of these, you know, what I'm saying outside the event, you know, what I'm saying, I, I haven't come I haven't come down from yet. And but again, I, I want to just you kind know, of touch the uh, question that you uh, put forward to me too, also uh, before before we went to break. And this kind of goes into like a, a needed uh, um, stuff. This issue needs to be addressed, like you talking about, like a lot of uh disrespect the generation i will be familiar with you know them saying about uh, regard to the demand for reparations as well as other issues and uh we this this I, the I, the delegation you know what I'm saying? and um we we, we we you we we take a I think take, it's like we don't draw we, we we don't usually draw a foregone conclusion that people understand what even what that term means in fact I recall the first time I was able to leave be the country and go on a delegation. Um it was, uh, shortly after I was uh, I was released from prison, I uh, went to France, I believe, again with um uh Minister of Consultation Pam Africa, Ramona Africa and others. It was a delegation in regards to the case of uh long held political uh prisoner M, M-, M-, M- Abu Jamal, who in fact we that cold red in regards to him with other words, his, his health his his health situation as we speak right now. speaking of which, this was some years back when I went on this delegation. And um this this last this this delegation that we attended, I, I as I said, it was kind of like last minute, but it really helped in a good way and a bad way. Brought light, you know, saying uh, shine light on some, some contradictions. Like you know, like a young cat. I, I don't want I don't make this personal or subjective, but like you know, stuff that you did many times as organizers, you know, cause you mentioned some names earlier that, that we just that we just lost. You know, saying Ralph Point, say cool, you know, dinger, cool Odinga, the plumber. And to be, you know, what I'm saying, to be around those forces, a lot of times people can can draw the wrong conclusion that, you know, people understand the political significance of terms such as coalition. You know, what I'm saying discussion of reparations. You know, what I'm saying uh, you know, uh, to be able to distinguish a delegation from a trip. You know, what I'm saying, but these are things. These are dynamics that we, you know, what I'm saying that we cannot. You know, what I'm, saying, I'm, I'm talking to myself also that we cannot take for granted that people understand, and you know, in, in, in certain. Um, just the the, the, the the we have to continuously not just during February, not just not just when certain situations come up, but you know, so we can't we we encounter some contradictions, you know, seeing so just even on on this on this again this delegation, and I you know and I, and I, and I just recall like even continuously struggling, you know you know what I'm saying about you know stressing just to be distinguished. Uh, this is not a trip. You know, there's a, there's a purpose of being here, and like in you know, the, the politics, we, even locally, we, 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 the Black Panther Party, comes. We pride ourselves, like even how we deal with our programs. You know, say they're not. You know, say they're not charity. How we deal with people, and a lot of times, people you know say people see certain situations, and the mistake is organized. Sometimes you make it look easy. People think it's easy. They think you know, and they and a, lot people, a lot of these individuals they can't distinguish a, a non for profit from you know what I'm saying, from a, a actually revolutionary organization. The, they, a lot of people can't distinguish a Democratic Party from the Republican Party from the, other, the Black Panther Party. So it's uh, again, it's it's, it's you know, we we in the climate also you know what I'm saying. We've been bumped, you know what saying a lot of people come up you know what I'm saying uh, a lot they're uh, 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 definitely organizing. It's just that the social media, the, uh views they may get, and this impacts. And I think it's intentional. Like, like, like some people may really see the damage in their personal life. Like, like you, you know, a lot of children, and they may say, "Well, I have 4,000 friends." They're talking about you know on, on Facebook or social media, and and and, and people may take that lightly. But the damage that's, that's happening, and they really they 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 never actually they have no ability to socially interact with people. You know, and and it really. You see these contradictions here, but sometimes I guess you know it's, it's like a safety net in some places. You, you know, so you, you, because the ecosystem here balances up. You see, well, you don't even notice the damage but on this on this delegation. I see, you know, I, you know, we were able to see some of the you know, they were It reflect. It was reflective of you know saying not just um, some, you know, uh, some contradictions in there, our there, homeland, but also contradictions, you know, the psychology of it's like you know, for people like. Uh, I was listening earlier before we went to break. You know, just even usually when we, we go to certain places, I'm, I'm, I'm make a point. I recall a speech I had made in uh, uh, Brazil some years back. It was in South Florida, I it, it, it was a big Black party Night in November, late November in Brazil. I made a point, see, I, I, tell you, I tell you, brothers, I'm not, not as a tourist. You know, we've been, we been divided by language, garious, chains, shockers, watermen. You know, simply, in terms of words, Marcus got a great Marcus got one through one people. And that's a to make that distinction. You know, the broadcast, you because you got to keep in mind the part of the chapter that's put out, you know, when you come out, you know, obviously, okay, you know, there's some tourists right here, you know, and, and it's a politics that comes with their word, you know, to the tourists. Because it's important, and again, you know, we, we we engage in that we deal with the people. We talk about the phone programs, whatever, you should do a whatever because those you get to see least as I was earlier. I never like you know, I like growth different place, I don't care if it's the hood of Chicago, you whatever the case may be. Uh i I'm all, I'm always cognizant and they make sure they know what's saying the the times, how we greet the people, face to face, so on and so forth, engaging people. And this you know, and this time again we have some complications with some
5: so, items came up. This is some
2: communication. Right, now, hold that thought, right there, Chairman. We gotta take a short break, and we come back though, because some of the people that uh, that made their transitions recently, I don't think our people know them. But they they uh, were, they were tuned into the Cat Williams issue, but they don't know about uh, uh, Sekou Odinga or Ralph Pointer or, or Sister Viola Plummer. So, if you can fill us in on why the, the, our folks should know these people who made their transition or appreciate it, family, you want to speak to the chairman reach out to us at 800 four five. 800-455. 78 76 and we'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB for in the DMV or on FM 95.9 and a.m. 1450 WOL Where information is power